Australian Herpetoculture Podcast. I'm Jason. And my name's Luke. Mate, that is a fandangle hat. It is, isn't it? I'm not yeah. surprised I'm wearing a Christmas hat. Not getting blinded <laughs> by your head tonight. I'll tell you that. <laughs> yeah. Not getting blinded by your head tonight. Yeah, that's it. Yeah. That's it. A bit of a technical difficulty trying to get on, so... That's all right. These things happen. And of course, it happened when we had uh, so many guests on this evening. Um, Always. It's the first time I think I've had one. <laughs> yeah, you've been lucky. I've been the one that's usually been letting the team down. So, yeah, no, good stuff. So, guys, we'd just like to yeah. kick off today's, uh, today's show by saying a massive thank you. We've been absolutely overwhelmed by the amount of support that we've had for doing this podcast. And, you know, from all around the world too, which is kind of a bit of a freaky scenario when we're looking at some of those statistics today. Yeah. Um, yeah, everyone from all corners of the earth has been tuning in. So that's just absolutely unreal. But yeah, we have to say an absolute massive thank you to to the NPR crew, being Eric and Owen in particular, because it's really surreal being part of the network. And, you know, after listening to them for the better part of 10 years, or probably about 10 years now, uh, yeah, being part of the part of the crew yeah. now is a bit surreal. Hey, mate. Yeah, it's been unreal. It's like a, you know, listening to them for so long and then all of a sudden being part of the network, you know, it's, it's pretty awesome. So, yeah, no, it's good stuff. Can it's you guys hear me? All right? I'm gotten... cutting in and out. No, I can hear you, mate. Sounds good to me. Yeah, technical difficulties. So, Sweet. Jason's on his phone. Um, the computer's dead, mate. Yep. <laughs> well, the computer's working. Oh. It's just the internet. I'm, on, I'm running 4G. That's the old potato in the line, mate. It's just clogging up so somewhere. I don't know what's going on. No, well. Yeah. That's all right, mate. We, we can hear you fine. So, guys, we have got an absolute star cast of guests here today. So, we've got uh, Scott up the top there. I'm going to start unmuting all you guys so you can actually say good day to everybody. Um, we've got Mitch Hodgson. We've got Cam's Custom Backgrounds. We've got Tyson, a.k.a. Dr. Merton. And we've also got Darren Boswell as well playing the role yeah. of Alex today. Uh yeah, it's guys, it's like an up Brady bunch. That's what I was referring to. He's right in the middle. Just like <laughs> it looks like it. <laughs> 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 I'm going to start referring to you as Alice Darren. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> <That's exactly. laughs> oh, it's all going to shit from the start. Yeah, no, off to a flying start. Guys, oh, welcome to the show. Yeah, this is uh, going to be some fun times, I reckon, tonight. Yeah, thanks for coming. <laughs> Hopefully everybody at home's kicking back and having a drink and enjoying enjoying the show. So, um, do you guys all want to just do a quick round robin and you can all introduce yourself? Scott, we already know who you are, but go for it. <laughs> um, yeah, I'm Scott. Um, I'm Ty's other half, um, and I'd like to come on and harass you guys. Yeah, yeah, yeah. and it's not just <laughs> not just with the podcast either. We get harassed by messages and all sorts as well. So that's a pretty standard scenario with yeah. you. But that's all right. <laughs> we love you for it. Um, Cam, why don't you introduce yourself, mate? Yeah, I'm Cam from Cam's Custom Backgrounds, and yeah, been a friend of Luke's for what a couple of years now. So only recently got back into the hobby, but loving it and hit it harder than ever. So. <laughs> Yeah. yeah, good stuff. Keep the ball rolling, Doc. Hey, hey guys, I'm Tyson. I'm the keeper of Doc Merton. I run the Doc Merton Instagram page. 
and uh, the Habitats at Home YouTube page. Awesome. Hey guys, Darren Boswell. I don't have a YouTube channel or anything like that. Um, I'm probably the most senior in the room here. Um, but yeah, had a bit of a break from the hobby five, six years ago and uh, back into it. And yeah, loving it. Just breeding pythons and uh, yeah, keeping a few different species. Good stuff. Also the owner of OPs, which is uh, making all of the rest of us jealous, but you know. Yeah. It goes like that. <laughs> They are impressive pythons. They are. <laughs> um, so and I'm Mitch. Uh, I have a Facebook page called Weirds and Beards. Not that I think I've done anything on it now for probably six to 12 months. Uh, I'm a very busy fellow with other reptile-related endeavours. Um, but, yeah, I like reptiles in all different walks, whether it be captive, research, in the wild, you name it. They're cool. Good stuff. And everyone, of course, knows Jason down there in the Santa hat. I just have to pull this up just because he's already staring us up. But Nipper Reed's just uh, calling us a yep. whole big bunch of bogans, which is pretty standard for Nipper. Oh, Nipper. But yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's right. We'll take that as a compliment. Yeah, mate. That's it. That's it. <laughs> yep. Good morning, Nipper. Hope you're enjoying your tea, mate. Um, yeah, good stuff. All right. So basically the show tonight. I got, that, um, I got that tea, Nipper. Thank you very much, mate. Thank you very much. <laughs> Oh, awesome. You can see who's um, here. Hey, by the way, guys, congratulations on getting the highest rating of all of the NPR show. We're here. 12,000 or something. You, you beat everyone else out. Yeah. So this Don't is the most successful show on the NPR network. Yeah, so that's pretty stoked about that. Um, you know, you guys should be sort of, yeah, exactly. Well done, guys. You've done well. No, oh, thank you. Yeah, we, yeah, we have no idea how that happened. Just <laughs> you guys the... listen along that give us give us the hand. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> I was gonna yeah. say, where's the classic Zoom applause emoticon? You know? I'm sure we're all done to death at the same meeting. This isn't Zoom. This is Streamyard. It's like a version. So. <laughs> Yeah, we still don't, we still don't know what we're doing here, mate. So we're still uh, kind of fumbling our way around, but that's all right. Yeah, it's um been surreal that's for sure i couldn't believe that when uh you know eric was kind of giving out those stats on the holiday show that... <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah from down under but um no good stuff um yeah yeah so basically tonight guys we just want to do a bit of a sort of like a round robin show and you know kind of just throw some questions out there to you guys where you know we'll just kind of go around the circle probably the the way that the kind of screen's laid out at the moment, um, just to kind of recap everyone's year on reptiles, so to speak, and no doubt we'll get derailed and sidetracked and all that sort of good stuff, and that's half the fun of these shows anyway, is just going down that rabbit hole of banter. So basically, I might throw this straight to Jason, and we might, or no, I'll just go straight to Scott, and then I'll be the end. Um, basically, we just want to kind of throw out a few, a few basic questions and see how you guys kind of respond to them. But the first one we're going to start with to warm everyone up is, what was your favorite episode of our podcast? So hit it, Scott. I like that one with Matt Somerville. Well, one of the two we did you did with, with Somerville, they were both really good. So that for me it was the one with, with Maddie. And also the one with Jake Meany was really good too. Awesome. Awesome. Anything awesome. in particular about it or just uh just oh, enjoyed the chat with him? Well, I enjoyed the chat. I enjoyed the banner, and obviously, you know, because Matt's a fellow, I lap it 
lapping nut as well. It's it's always nice. Um, the one you did with um, uh, Daniel Natouche was also really good. The fact that you had the the greens dropping, you know, sort of on cue, I suppose, was was a pretty nice thing to have happen at the same time. That was that was unreal, <laughs> but it was an absolute disaster of a podcast because I was like. Yeah, I was on a shocking laptop. I, I think I was there for about two minutes that whole podcast, and I, all I wanted to do was talk to Daniel. And You're doing what I'm his, doing now. Yeah, yeah. I just <laughs> wanted to pick the hell out of his brain, and yeah, I had to listen back to see what Jason was talking to him about. But then, no, that was a good one. I did enjoy listening back to that one myself. Yeah. Um, Cam, did you have a favorite favorite podcast from the seat this year? I was I was going to say the same as um as Scott. There, one of Matt's ones is pretty good. Just hearing all his stories of herping and stuff like that, like it's just great like i don't get to do that sort of stuff i don't have time to but would love to i know kai's trying to get me out and doing things before christmas but um unfortunately a little bit busy but definitely going to get out and do something with him but um the other one i was going to say was uh uh, peter birch that was a good one full of information i mean another guy has been in the hobby for years so you can uh definitely learn a thing or two from from him so yeah pretty uh pretty interesting it's good yeah, Making I think my drive to work a lot easier <laughs> <laughs> no, i appreciate that yeah i think that one with peter actually hit it home to a lot of people we got a pretty good response to that one so that was good um tyson do you want to to kind of go around next uh yeah mate. Um, i've actually got two so uh, my two favorites were the ones with um ross mcgibbon um, yep. I just think like his stories are, are amazing. His calendar is incredible. His photography is incredible. Um, his work with the Flying Doctor Service is amazing. It's like such a great, great service for, for all Australians, basically. Like if you're getting bit by a snake out, out somewhere in the bush, you know, those doctors are, are out there trying to save your life. And um, I, just think, I just think it's amazing that he, he's teamed up with them. And, you know, I'm going to give him a little plug. If you haven't got his calendar for next year, um, you really should get it portion of it goes towards the flying doctor service and I, I think that's I love seeing people helping people and I think that's great and um, my other one is uh, Luke uh, Luke Jongens so Luke's become a really good friend of mine um, since I started keeping reptiles again in Australia and he is just honestly such an untapped wealth of, of knowledge um, he knows everybody he knows what's going on in the hobby he's given me so much information over the last couple of years about who's doing what and who's got what and how to keep this and and where to get this from and uh, i just i honestly uh uh yeah it's been such an amazing help for me and i just i just it's great to see you when your friends are doing well and uh, it just was awesome to see him on the podcast so those two are my favorite awesome everyone's choosing my top choices here so i'm gonna have to think of another one yeah. on the fly. <laughs> <laughs> darren what did, what, what did you think about all this uh, look, yeah, I had a bit of a think about this afternoon. I'd have to say probably because it was sort of more in my wheelhouse, Peter Birch's episode was really good. Um, but I like the field herping stuff too. So I love the, the Jake Manny, the Matt Somerville ones. Um, you know, living down here in Adelaide, we have to travel a reasonable distance to get to a decent herp spot. probably Middleback Ranges or the Mid-North is, is probably as close as we can go to, to get see some decent herps. And that's a good four to five hours away. So I don't do anywhere near as much of that as what I used to do when I lived up in Darwin. But, um, you know, yeah, no, I really like the Peter Birch one. That was really good. He's always very generous with his information around his 
his husbandry and his breeding and stuff like that. So, yeah, probably that one, I reckon. All right, good stuff. What about you, Mitchie? Uh, I'm I'm awfully close to what uh, Scott said. They were my two picks. Were the uh, it was the first Matt Somerville one, I think. I really enjoyed yep. that. Um, I don't really know Matt well. I've had maybe like two, three Facebook messages conversations are pretty short. But it was really interesting to see or to hear, I should say, um, about what he was doing, how he sort of operated, because he just seems like such an impressive guy off his sort of you know, public uh, persona. And I don't mean that as a, you know, he's not bragging or anything, but he just, such cool photos, such cool herping. He's smashing it with captives. You know, I was interested to hear about the browns. Like he keeps and breeds a lot of really funky browns, which is just mind blowing. I've never had experience with them, but uh, a lot of people I've spoken to have said they can be absolute pains in the ass off the bat. So I find it quite cool. He's got a commitment to them. I'm, I see Scott nodding, showing <laughs> that. And I'm sure Scott's got all oh, Scott does have first experience. Um, and the other I'm one was literally feeling well. pain from some of you right now with some Ingrams. That I've got yeah, well, exactly. Ingrams. I just, <laughs> so, you know, I, I feel his pain right now. And like even that post he did, that just blew my mind with that Ingrams that was, you know, 12 feeds in a year and it was obese. And I was like, oh God, what are we doing? <laughs> you know, this is an lap and everyone says they, they punch through more food than pythons. So here we are. So... Um, yeah, I, I, I have to say my top two were I think the first Matt Somerville episode and uh, Daniel Natusha's because I um I've heard him speak on a few podcasts but I think that was the best one I've heard was on the the Herp one because he sort of spoke about a lot more stuff broadly and it was you know interesting stories and things like that so yeah yeah he's the kind of guy that lets his awesome. photographs and his animals and stuff speak for themselves mm, absolutely yeah yeah what about you Jason. Mine's pretty much. There seems to be a common um, denominator going here. It seems to be Matt Somerville's episodes seem to be the favourite ones. Um, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, I think the first one with Matt was probably one of my favourites, and I'm gonna throw up a tie for second would be um, Ross McGibbon and um, Dan Tush, I think. So that that'll be my two favourites. I reckon it seems to be pretty common. Like I don't know if you want to throw out some of the. Stats. What do you reckon, Luke? We throw out some of the stats. Yeah, yeah, on go, the for stats that... go for it, and then I'll. So basically, you do that. Yeah. So basically, Matt was the most listened to episode one and two, and I think it might have been Scott was the next one, I believe, for memory. Maybe, I think for memory. But yeah, Matt. Matt was basically the the most listened to episode for his first one, and then his second one was the second most listened to episode. So seems to be a pretty common thing with everyone that they were pretty good episodes. So. Just to throw it in there as well, I can't remember the young bloke's name, but that young bloke um, down in Victoria. Josh. Mm, Josh. Josh, yeah. I enjoyed Josh's episode too, actually. Just just listening to how like how invested he is into the reptiles, it's just it's great to see that sort of younger younger crowd come up. He's got he's some right, um, but... he's got some pretty good ideas too. Like he turned around and I think mm. he's. He yeah, puts away five or ten percent, I think, from all of the animals that he breeds. He puts back into conservation and and things like that. He's he's always looking to give back to the community as well, mm. and it's such a nice thing to see from such a young fella. So, yeah, I was just saying, Scott, just just on that, like, and this was like years ago. I did a little poll in a bunch of different herb groups asking people if they would actually do that. And I don't mean to sell the, the comment and the sentiment there, but it was surprisingly low how many people didn't want to contribute something like 
I think I said three, five or 10%. And I think it was like 65%, 70% didn't want to contribute anything. Yep. I, I think he, I, I think he's also a standout um, because, you know, like we were talking before, Scott, you know, when we were kids, when we were his age, we were killing grass kinks in buckets. Yeah. You know, and, and you look where he's at. Yeah, and, and like he's he's so he's so humble and he's he's all he's trying to do is his best. And mm. you know, mm. if, if everyone tried their best, you know, it, it'd be a it'd be a great thing to see, you know, at the end of the day. And yeah. he's so willing to give back and help to other, help other people. It's it's really good to see. Yeah. No, that's good. That, I really enjoyed that one. I, I think I got a little bit blown away about how good a head he's got on his shoulders during that episode, actually. And like I always knew he was good in the hobby and, you know, he, he did have that good head on him. But yeah, actually having a chat to him and a chat before and after the, the episode as well. Like, yeah, he's got a lot of good stuff going on and I can see him going pretty far in this hobby. I reckon that'll be good. Um, my personal favourites um, were Matt Somerville. That was probably one of the top ones that first episode. And a couple of reasons. A, I'd always kind of looked up to what he was actually doing in the hobby. But B, I also liked the fact that I could put the steam up, Eric, that we got to him first. So <laughs> Eric was trying to nail him down as a guest for years. So it was kind of good to be able to have one up on Eric. <laughs> Sorry, Eric. Did you get him um, twice before they got him? Uh, he hasn't been on there yet, so I'm sure he will oh, at some stage, no doubt. Got two up on him. <laughs> yeah. But uh, one of my actual um, other favourites was actually having um, Michael McFadden on from Taronga Zoo. Mm -hmm. I really enjoyed having him on and just hearing some of the projects that those guys are kind of working on and, and what they've going, got going on there. I think he's a bit of a, a quiet achiever in a sense. So, yeah, I really enjoyed talking to Michael. Yeah. Michael's another one of those guys that's really giving with information as well. Like if you yeah. you reach out to him and go, hey, I'd, I'd like to know something about X or Y. Generally speaking, he'll give you as much information he, as he can, and it's always, oh yeah, this is how we did it ten years ago, or or whatever it is. And he just he doesn't make a big deal of it or anything like that. He's one of those sort of unsung heroes out there. You know, it's, it's good to see. Yeah, and it, 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 I think it's always good to have those kind of people that you know they're, they're not doing anything for an ego or or you know any sort of fame in the sense or anything like that. Like he's just doing it because he loves it and he loves the animals. Yeah. That's the best thing at the end of the day. Okay, so while uh, Jason's resetting his his router, we'll get on to the next question. And basically, that was we, we wanted to kind of go around the circle and see what the most positive thing that you guys had happen in your reptile collections at home this year. Um, well, I, I've been trying to breed Shadeka's butler eye, you know, since I sort of knew what they were, and it was something that I I had the opportunity to get a get a, a couple three or four years ago, I think it was now, and you know we raised them up, and now they we've got a clutch of eggs in the incubator, touch wood that they're they're okay, um, but they're they're looking the goods, so I'm pretty stoked about finally cracking those. So mine, mine's probably not a not as glorious as you know breeding a reptile that you've wanted for years or getting one or whatever like that. But uh, basically, just the having the chance to be able to get a roughie. Um, I fought so hard trying to get my R2 through, and then finally getting it and actually getting the adult female that I have. And it's just that was a bit of a triumph. And um, 
yeah, so grateful to have her. She's great. She's such a unique animal. So it's just awesome to see her in my lounge room every day. <laughs> Definitely are a beautiful species and a win's a win. You got to take that. Yeah. <laughs> what about you, Tyce? Uh, so I recently managed to get a female common tree snake to go with my male. Uh, she's a little bit smaller, uh, so we're going to wait a little while, but um, that's made me very, very happy. Um, I've never really been into the breeding side of things. It just it doesn't really do it for me, but the snake, uh, common tree snakes have become pretty special to me, so I hope you have to produce them one day. Um, I've also, uh, my, my angle-headed dragons have laid eggs. Uh, I've only bred better dragons before. Uh, a long time ago so that was pretty cool and um my little crevice skinks have, have popped out a couple of babies too so that was completely unexpected and, and now that i've got them uh, I'm, I'm pretty happy to have them it's been cool watching them run around and and grow and yeah so uh lots of lots of babies and things happening here maybe not to the scale of other people but it's pretty big for me so uh, that's made me very happy i, I, I think that's great All right, good stuff no, that's awesome i was pretty excited for you when you posted up that little skink in the group chat that was, uh, yeah, it was, was nuts, pretty cool. I was not expecting it to be in there. Like, I figured I'd breed at some point, but um, yeah. like, you just, I, never, I never really noticed the size difference. And then just to, to go in there one day, I was like, I was running late to something. And I was just like, oh, I'm just going to check all the waters. And then I went in there and I, I was like, whoa, I double take seeing this little tiny skink in there. I think, oh, what do I do? I'm not ready. I've got nothing to feed it. I've got nothing to put it in. I think I was in the chat being like, oh, can I leave it in there? And, and uh, old, um, Marcus came to the rescue and uh, he said, nah, they're fine, mate. So they're all four in there now, cute as ever. <laughs> oh, that's awesome. What about you, Darren? Um, sort of uh, getting getting the Arpellis into their adult enclosures, it was a lot of work. You know, I, I knew I wanted big enclosures. I wanted to, I wanted them to be able to climb. I wanted them to be able to do everything that they would, would want to do. And um, so that was a, a huge undertaking. I got probably halfway through it and thought, what the hell am I doing? Um, but it was a good probably four, four and a half months work uh, to build those two enclosures and just the satisfaction of eventually releasing them into them and watching them explore and all that sort of stuff. That, that's pretty cool. Oh, that's something that I think a lot of us dream of is having some of those big naturalistic enclosures with a couple of OPs. That would be unreal. Yeah, you sort of pinch yourself every time you're sitting in the back family room watching them come out and do their thing. And yeah, just yeah, a bit of a dream, really. <laughs> yeah. Give me a sec, fellas. I've got to calm my son down. <laughs> <laughs> no stress, mate. Life of a dad. What about you, Mitch? What, what's going on in your collection? Uh, I'd say probably actually the thing that was um, for me, I was a really, really good thing or really good feeling, I guess. Um, I, I'd say two, I'll go two. One a breeding one and one a, um, or two, two breeding ones and one a, a enclosure build. I um, literally from June through to now has been pretty busy for me. I went straight from finishing my PhD to um, starting a new job and being really busy with that. And I had no time and I spent months building a small background for my bar-sided skins. <laughs> <laughs> um, and when it finally came together and it was, I didn't want to rush it. Um, and I was like, no, no, it's all going to be good. And like, it wasn't perfect. It was the second background I built, but it came out really nice. I thought had lots of little rocks and, you know, it looked like, 
you know, a home-built sandstone background sort of thing, but I really enjoyed it. They really enjoyed it. Um, and so that was a really, really good feeling to actually have got them into that. Now, shortly after that, they found a hole in the background and got wedged well and truly in the guts of it, so I had to break it apart because <laughs> <laughs> I was concerned that something might go wrong. Um, but it's repaired and, yeah, they'll go back in. Uh, anyway, so that was really good. And then breeding-wise, um, I've been pretty quiet on my breeding because I don't want people hounding me for things that I've bred. Uh, but I've actually got touch wood again, same as Scott, um, some Felicipoda eggs cooking. So I'm really excited nice. by that because I've had my female for oh, years now. I think I got a 2018, 2019, something like that. And then finally twisted the hand of Rick Worthy to give me a, a male. Um, and so I got the male and, yeah, finally they did the deed. Um, and I've also got some brown tree snake eggs cooking as well, which I'm really excited about. So I had them lay a few years ago, um, but numpty me cooked the eggs at 31 degrees, so they're all trashed. Um, this time I'm doing it low and slow, like ribs on the barbecue, as I was told. <laughs> no hotter than 28 for any colubrid eggs in Australia. Exactly, yeah. So I'm doing 27, 27.5. You'll find that it'll probably go for about 80, 85 days. But yeah, I saw it's 85 to 100. Yeah, yeah. So uh, night tigers are a little bit shorter than than the East Coast one. Oh, these are Easterns. Yeah. My night tiger, she was, I felt eggs in her. Um, And then, yeah, just disappeared. Like I could feel like visible seven eggs. I don't know if she just yoked up and then reabsorbed on what the guy was, but I was hoping for night tiger babies too, but you can't win them all, so. <laughs> it was still exciting to have just some Boyga because, as many people know, they're one of my favourite snakes, so. <laughs> yeah, there's a couple more here for you when you want them. <laughs> <laughs> Isn't it nice to hear people say Boyga and not Boyga? Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> The thing is, is the genus is named after boy. That's that's the thing that I find absolutely ridiculous. Is that they've got mm. this idea that it's something else. It's named after a person called Boy, B O I E. So it's definitely Boyga. Mm. Anyway. <laughs> well, while Jason's trying to figure out his stuff, the highlight of my year had to be definitely maternally incubating green pythons. So never oh, having yeah. bred them, and then. You know, having that experience of both maternally incubating and then having, you know, pretty damn good success rate. So, um, yeah, absolutely stoked about that. That was definitely the happiest I've been in a long time breeding an animal. So that, that was years in the making, that one. But, yeah, no. I was going to say, right. I was way more excited about having them all bloody eat for me straight off the bat too. <laughs> oh, yeah. Well, that, that was definitely a win. Um, all of them ate last night except for except for two. Unfortunately, one of them's developed a large a large heart or an enlarged heart. So, you know, that kind of soured it a little bit, but the rest of them are still kicking on pretty good. So, yeah, can't complain too much. Oh, it's a pretty, pretty gutsy move. I mean, you know, some people might have done that for a second or third clutch maybe, but mm. it was your first clutch as well. So, yeah, I, I can imagine how you felt. Yeah. Oh, it looks like we've got a surprise guest that's jumping into the stream. Hey, Coop, how you doing? Hey, hey guys, how are you? Welcome. Yeah, good, thank you. I, um, kind of yeah, Coop. I for, kind of forgot this was on, and then I just saw everyone talking, and I was like, oh, I'll just jump in and say good day. <laughs> 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 no, welcome. I mean, the link was there, so yeah. No. Yeah, yeah. 
It's like you're hiding in the dark there, mate. <laughs> I was about to go to bed, to be honest, but uh, I was like, I oh, can't miss, miss a chat with the boys. So, <laughs> Well, quickly, we're just, we're just going around the circle asking what the most positive thing was that happened in your reptile collection this year. So fire one off for us, mate. Most positive? A uh, few things. So I heard you guys mentioning uh, breeding some stuff. I got some baby Western blueies out, which was pretty exciting, uh, especially because I never... Uh, realized she was even uh, pregnant. So I walked in one day and I saw a baby sitting on top of her mum's back, basking under the heat light and yeah, just freaked out. So that was pretty cool. Otherwise, aside from that, just building some more naturalistic enclosures and watching the animals do their thing, like my little pygmy python and stuff. It's just, yeah, really good fun. Oh, awesome stuff. Awesome stuff. Okay, so we're going to go around the circle again, but this time instead of positive things, we're going to talk about the negative because that's something that I feel like a lot of people don't talk about in this hobby. And um, I think it's important that we all talk about negative aspects to it because that's the truth of it really and, and we can't sugarcoat everything. So, Scott, kick us off with your most negative thing that you've had happen. Um, most negative thing is for me is, is getting older. I suppose, um, as, as funny as that sounds, um, you know, you're not as young as you used to be. And when you're not as young as you used to be, you, the hours in the day sort of catch up with you a bit more than what you usually do. And I suppose I'm, I find myself not enjoying the critters as much as I used to. Um, and I suppose it's because, you know, it's because I'm so bloody busy and I've made myself too busy for it. So... I'm, I'm looking forward to next year sort of slowing up a bit on a few things and um, taking a breath, I suppose. So this year's been way too busy. And COVID's been a, you know, as much as people say COVID's a, a, a shit, for me, COVID's been a real bugger this year. There's been a lot of things I wanted to get out and do and I haven't been able to do it because of COVID. So, yeah, everyone's in the same boat, though. So. That's a rough go. All right, Cam, what about the most negative thing for you, mate? Honestly, I, I don't have a massive collection, so, I mean, if anything really goes wrong and it hits hard, but fingers crossed and, you know, touch wood, my stuff's all been good this year. I mean, yeah, I don't really have anything negative in my collection as such. Um, I suppose, yeah, like uh, like Scott just touched on, you know, the whole time and, and you know, losing that little bit of interest in it. Um especially with the background building and stuff like that, finding the time to get out here and actually get stuck into one, you know, just stare at it for so long sometimes and it just nothing happens. So um, I suppose that is a, a bit of a negative, but, you know, when they do get to that completion stage, it becomes a positive again. So it's, um, yeah, it's not a massive negative for me, really. I, I've I lost one frog, one of Jason's frogs, unfortunately, but, you know, these things happen and, we move on and we try and figure out why it happened and we don't make it happen again. So. <laughs> yeah. Well, while we've got Jason back for another appearance here, Jason, just quickly fire us, fire off the most positive thing that you had happened in your reptile collection this year. What was that? Sorry. <laughs> uh, mate, just fire off the most positive thing that you had happened in your reptile collection this year. I'm cutting out again. All right. <laughs> Famous yeah. last words. <laughs> yeah. All right, Tyson. Well, let's keep going with the negative stuff. 
uh, what's happened with your your stuff? Yeah, this one's pretty easy because it's just happened and uh, the wound is still a little bit raw. But uh, I lost my uh, McClay's River Turtle, Greg, uh, about a week ago. Came home from work on the Friday night and found him with his head in the filter uh, outlet, which was not very nice. Um, you know, I have a small collection too. Uh, nothing in this room is just a number. You know, I have a connection to to everything, and and uh, especially like that little turtle was the the most personable and and loud and probably the most aggressive thing in the room. So like when you come in here, he's always at the glass, splashing around, trying to bite the air, and then to, to sort of not have him in, in here anymore is pretty it's pretty devastating. You know, like I, I like the text right in front of me now it's empty bar a couple of fish you know so it's uh it's really hard when you lose when you lose animals and um you know it's really hard when you lose things and you and you feel like you could have could have done something um i don't know how he's managed to do it the the strainer obviously clips on and i guess he likes to wedge himself underneath it and as he's sort of growing he's obviously wedging himself and it's loosened over time and it's come off, and then he's basically tried to have a little look in the hole, and he's been been sucked in. It seems so. Yeah, it's it's one thing to lose an animal too, and it's another thing to lose one in a pretty gruesome way, which is um yeah, yeah so bit of a down, but you know it is what it is, and 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 we, you know, all we can do is move on, and all that you, have, I don't know, but I think I'm going to use um hose clamps with something on the on the filter strainers in future just to make sure that it, it literally cannot come off so i'm just yeah, about a... to send tyson what what did you say you lost sorry oh you must have lost me for a little bit then um i lost my uh my mcclay's river turtle ah right my my tiny little, oh, I my the tiny little it. turtle I just, about I, two I years missed, old yeah i missed what it was yeah <laughs> yeah it's a rough, rough way to yeah. go for any animal that's for sure and uh, unfortunate uh, circumstance. Uh, what about yeah. you, Darren? What What have you had happen? Well, I guess like a lot of people, we were impacted by COVID. We had a, a great ten day trip planned in September up to Cairns and Port Douglas, which was uh, shot out of the air the last minute by COVID. So uh, that was some some good herping lost. Um, but while uh, in November we sort of we did a trip over to Port Lincoln, and while we were away, um, one of my marble clutches were due to hatch. And I'm lucky that my my son's now a snake keeper as well, and he doesn't live too far away. So he uh, he came down sort of halfway through that trip to check on everything, and he noticed that they'd hatched, but there was one egg that hadn't pipped. So I said to him, "Well, look, wait there, just just cut it open. If they're all the rest of them are all out, just cut it open." And when he did, what he found was a two headed children's python uh, with the heads mirrored actually uh, and fully developed uh, was alive it only lived for about half an hour after it came out of the egg but um, that was that was a bit of a downer I mean not that I really wanted it to survive to be honest I haven't really wanted a two-headed snake but um, something good came out of it so um, I put some photos up on on Facebook to share it and there was a young lady locally who was doing a postgrad degree on snake vertebral column development? Who would have thought? <laughs> and uh, she came and collected it from me, and it's been preserved, and they're ultrasounding it, and 
putting in an MRI. And so, yeah, hopefully something something positive comes out of it. But, yeah, that was a bit of a down. It's the first sort of deformity that I've ever had in, in, a, in a clutch. So. Well, at least something got somebody somebody got something out of it, you know. That's yeah. the main thing yeah. out of there. So that's actually turning a negative into a positive, really. So yeah. good stuff. Yeah, true. Yeah. What about you, Mitch? Uh, I would say my down the moment was I um, I ended up losing my male Barici, um, and I have well I, the the long short of it was is I walked into my herb room one day and saw him sitting in a spot and I was like you know. Goanna's just sort of sit there sometimes when they've been a bit lazy, I guess, you know, he was just chilling and he wasn't normal. Like it wasn't an abnormal behavior. And I came back sort of four hours later and he was still in the exact same spot. And I was kind of like, that's a bit weird. Um, gave him a prod and he couldn't move anything below his neck. Um, and so became quite, I wouldn't say distraught, but no, I knew something was up. Um, so I went to the vet the next day, they x-rayed him. All his bones looked good. Everything seemed fine. He just couldn't move anything below his neck. He was on a cocktail of drugs and, yeah, unfortunately, eventually passed. Um, and it was pretty, yeah, I mean, like everyone goes through it, I guess, if you've got an animal that, like, maybe not like a, a violent death, but you're like, you know, where do you draw the line? Euthanizing it sort of thing. And I was like, oh, well, he's on drugs. Maybe it'll help fix it up. And, you know, it was sort of he was on it for a couple or about a week and a half before he eventually went. Did you um, necropsy him, Mitch? What was that? Did you necropsy him or did you? Did you no, I didn't. I didn't end up doing it. So I was actually, when he ended up passing, I was away on a work trip. So I was, uh, I'd gone away and my parents were looking after him. Um, and unfortunately, yeah, he, um, they just, you know, said this has happened. And uh, yeah, I ended up, uh, you know, putting him, put him in the bin. But um, it was pretty like depressing because he's, um, I think with, the Akinthurus group, you get some that are really outgoing and some that are nervous as hell. And he is or was a very outgoing goanna, like, you know, run to the glass, get your attention, cruise the glass for it. My, my females are both pretty sooky. Um, and so it was quite sad to have such a personality go. Um, and then, you know, doing the Because, like, when I had the chat with my vet, she's like, look, you might come good or, you know, probably, you know, the other option is euthanizing him. We'll play it by ear. And you kind of feel bad. Like seeing Goanna not able to move is pretty fucking sad. I should, oh, I don't know if I can swear, but anyway. no, go for it. Scott yeah, doesn't uh, have the time. Yeah. So it just, it was one of those things that I felt bad that I hadn't, you know, made a different call, but you know, 2020 hindsight. So is what it is. Um, but that was pretty downer. I was pretty, pretty upset about that. Yeah. What about you, Coop? Did you have anything rough happen this year? Yeah. So. Again, I lost an animal as well. Um, I lost one of my really big female blotched blue tongues. Uh, so she had three babies. They came out like much larger than babies normally come out and uh, found out after a little while she was acting a bit strange and I took it to the vet and she actually had another two babies uh, stuck inside her and then as well as some other infertile ovum. So... Uh, had surgery on her, but she didn't last long after the surgery. So it's just pretty sad. And yeah, it just goes to show like the dangers of breeding something, you know, you never know what the result could be from that. And yeah, it's, it's an easy way to lose an animal sometimes is by breeding it. So yeah. yeah people, are, people underestimate the risks of breeding. Yeah, most definitely. Yeah, it's all not, all not the sunshine and lollipops, that's for sure. 
you know, there's a lot of rough stuff that goes along with it. Um, what about you, Jace? Have you had anything rough happen this year? This year, I lost one of the Boyds. Um, just, yeah, basically sucking and just wouldn't come out of it pretty much. Um, but, you know, my collection's pretty small this day and age, so that's probably, yeah, that's the only real thing that's happened to me. But previous years, there's been a few a few ones, but, yeah, yeah, that's kind of it. Still, so. still rough at the end of the day? 100%, yeah. I mean, it is what it is. Your yeah, video's in sync with your sound now, which is good. Before it was yeah, like I know. a Bruce I'm Lee so, movie. I'm on my wife's phone now. My phone wasn't working. <laughs> the internet's, the computer's not working. I don't know what's going on. So, <laughs> Well, you're up with it now. Yeah, I know. I think that's the one thing that people are going to remember, that, you know, we all celebrate the good things, but we've got to remember that, you know, there's some pretty gut-wrenching things in this hobby as well that we have to deal with. and That's right. You know, the reality of it is, is if you actually love what you're doing, it should be gut-wrenching when something like what everyone sort of spoke about does happen. Um, yeah. yeah. It was just before, you know, this time last year um, that I lost a blue tongue that I'd had for 24 years. Yeah. Um, and I was a blubbering mess for, what, two days, you know? Yeah. Fucking yeah. blue tongue, you know, but the reality of it is, is that you know that that blue tongue of, you know, we've done so many demonstrations with over the years and all the rest of it, but he was he was like a little mate, you know. And yeah, that's right. Yeah. You told him things you'd never told anybody else. <laughs> and he never used to talk back to me, Darren. That was the best part, you know. <laughs> yeah. But yeah. Yeah. I I, I, my my worst thing this year happened very very recently, actually over the course of the last week or so. But um, uh, Rick Worthy of Worthy Geckos hooked me up with an awesome pair of Felicipoda, and um, unfortunately, just as I finished this uh, awesome enclosure right next to my desk that I spent countless hours mucking around with, after putting them in there after yeah about a week or so, they both both dropped off. So. I don't know what the cause was. I don't think it was overheating, um, especially after talking to a few other keepers that, that have kept them. I don't think it was anything to do with the enclosure itself because it's all stuff that I've got with plenty of other animals in this exact room. I, I don't know if it was just shit luck, shit timing. Um, they weren't chasing each other, weren't stressing each other that I could see. Um, but yeah, I kind of liken it to about, you know, getting given a Ferrari and then all of a sudden wrapping it around a tree a week later. You know, it was. Uh, what age were they, Luke? About a year old. Oh, okay. Yeah, so still pretty young. Um, yeah, decent size. They seem to have good body condition and all the rest of it. But, yeah, there was um, yeah, a bit of a weird circumstance. But, yeah, that, that that's probably been the biggest kick in the teeth since I lost those blueies in a heat wave a couple of years back. Um, yeah, that was that was my downer to the year, I'd say. But, yeah, felt that one. Felt that one. Definitely something for um, you know, any of these uh, sort of beginner keepers and things like that to listen to to this sort of stuff and you know it doesn't matter how big your collection is listening to people that have massive collections and still noticing that their their animals are sick or they're not well like it doesn't matter how many you have and like scott said if you love the hobby you're going to be looking at your animals every day it doesn't matter if you've got yeah one or you've got a thousand of them they're just they, they still mean something doesn't matter yeah, how many you have; they all mean the same amount to you. So, exactly. Yeah, definitely. If you, walk, if you go away from that mindset, then you know I don't think you, you need that many animals. 
Like, <laughs> if, you, if you're not going to notice that one's sick and, you know, you, you pull out a, uh, you know, a tub or you're opening an enclosure and a, that you haven't opened in so long and the thing's dead, you didn't even know, like, that's that's when you sort of got to look at yourself and go, well, I really don't need this many, you know. <laughs> so. Yeah. Yeah, that's it. You know, it's... um. I think a lot of people don't look at their stuff enough or they see it as like stamp collecting or something like, Oh, look at me. I got this or whatever. Um, whereas they really yeah. need to pay attention to it. And man, I'll tell you what, as soon as they were in this enclosure, I was nothing but looking at them. Like, I mean, Jason would have known from the last episode that we did. I pretty much spent the whole time looking there instead of him at the screens. So, <laughs> don't you know. blame you, mate. He'd want to stare at my bin mug. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So that was, uh, that, that was a blow, but yeah, I think you hit yeah. the nail on the head there, Cam. Um, well, let's swing it back around to a little bit more of a positive positive thing. And uh, I've thrown this question right in the middle of the amount of questions that I got here because I think it was a really, really good question. And Scott's actually put this one out there. But who inspires you in the reptile hobby and why? So, Scott, you can't say yourself. <laughs> <laughs> no, nah, look, honestly, um, i got, I got two people um, and I, I can't really split them. My wife is, is my, honestly my biggest inspiration. Um and you know she 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 deals with things that, that i never have to deal with so to speak in that you know females have a rough trot in the in the her hobby um and you know she just keeps on keeping on and you know that's that's you know that's that's something pretty amazing and then the other one is um hal clogger um hal's a, a good friend and you know, he's always willing to, to deal with some taxonomic problems that I'm dealing with or whatever, or uh, happy to, to tell me their story or something like that that's, um, that's really good. So both of those people are, are a huge inspiration to me. Good stuff. Yeah, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say that the biggest one and the, and the bloke that sort of got me back into it after I got out of the hobby, you know, six or seven years ago was my brother-in-law. And... Um, and whether it was an intentional thing of him or not, but he he got some uh, some lizards and then he got a snake and we went to a reptile expo in uh, Illawarra here and that was it. I got my first snake there and then and re-signed all my licensing and hit it hit it hard from there. Um, you know, then getting on to Luke your channel that that really started inspiring me to do the naturalistic sort of enclosures and then you know seeing matt stuff was insane and and then greeny sort of he pushed me in into sort of direction i'm going now and um and then the thing that keeps me going now is the support and the positivity behind everyone like um you can get a lot of negative and stuff obviously in the hobby but there's so much support like you give a little bit of help to someone and it just it goes a long way to them it's not not like they just brush it off as a bit of information that they've got you know it just it really really inspires you to keep wanting to help people um if you start getting that negative sort of attitude back from people you tend to not want to keep going and you just don't want to help anyone so thankfully i've had nothing but positivity and it's keeping me driving and keeping me interested in the hobby that's for sure and then yeah it's been added into that group chat with you guys and i've learned so much over the the course of those last few months and yeah it's been awesome no i i, I like having the chat there because i feel like i'm definitely learning stuff every day in that chat you know and if everyone's talking, handy 
yeah mm. if everyone's talking then everyone's learning well that's the that's the idea anyway that i think hey jason uh, just yeah, quickly can you shut that frog up <laughs> i thought that's what you were laughing at <laughs> it's changed hands I don't know. now you got such a loud animal there mate you need to mute uh, him wonder where that <laughs> what about you tyson do you have anybody that inspires you in the hobby mate yeah, lots of people, man. Um, I don't really want to single anybody out, but I just get really inspired by uh, everyone that's sort of willing to to stick their neck out in this hobby and, and try something new. And, uh, you know, I, I really appreciate the grind. Um, I love seeing people just day in, day out, doing animals, trying new things, like you guys starting this this podcast, uh, Scott writing books, Coop, your your um sparkle turtle pond that has like six hundred thousand views like that's just mad man like, like it's unreal um mitch you'll work with the the um ahs uh cam you know like what you're doing like nailing these custom backgrounds getting better and better every time um darren i i don't know much about you mate but um you know like you keep two species that i really like um the the owen pallies and the uh the white lip pythons you know like uh, just if you could breed those that's fantastic like there's anybody uh Jace, cross. you know like you're, you're the you're the, you're the gecko man you know the, 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 the gecko effect and and i know that you, you you've like nailed heaps of things when it comes to to bioactivity and which plants work and and luke your your channel features scaly beast killing it like anybody matt matt with his enclosures um also uh dylan perrin with his podcast animals at home like there's so many reptiles yeah that's awesome now. yeah and, and, and there's a lot there's a lot that are, are like this one where it's like people talking and keepers and their stories and things like that and you've got dylan who's just like like i like that hard facts as well you know it's he's in a bit of a niche um i don't necessarily know if he's in a niche on his own but his his podcast is amazing um Dylan's, he's, he's Dylan's such an incredible. A lot of fun too. yeah yeah it's a lot of fun to go He's on crushing it. Know, really enjoyed it and um and i think you'll agree scott like i don't, I don't know i'm not sure i think mitch you've been on it too like he's so good at like getting the best out of the first like that his guest he, he's so like yeah. calmly spoken and uh, easy to talk to and knows the right questions and lets you talk and yeah i just think there's so many people that are just doing such fantastic things that it's hard to sort of say say everybody but you know you know if you're if you're out there and you're on the grind then then you inspire me so that's that's cool Oh, awesome stuff. What about you, Darren? Yeah, look, you you young guys that are putting that out there and, and putting yourselves out there and getting these things out online, it's just fantastic. I mean, take it take it from me. I'm 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 from the old school, you know, we never had anything like this. You know, back in the early days of my reptile keeping, there was the APS forums and there was kingsnake.com, which was most more American centered. Um you know, there was there was nothing like this. So, you know, hats off to all you young guys that are just producing this awesome content and getting it out there. You know, like the and, and the, the naturalistic stuff, you know, it was starting to watch your videos, um, you know, Coops and, and yourself, Luke, um, looking at how how you were doing your enclosures that, that made me take a step back and go, Well, hang on, you know. Um, yeah, back in the day a, a branch and a blue light globe and a and a, a wall thermostat might have cut the mustard then, but you know, it's um, you know we're in different times and it's fantastic all the equipment that's available now. And yeah, no, I yeah, I'll take my hat off to all of you really, to be honest. Well, not Jerry rigging any um, 
any air conditioning thermostats anymore, are we, Darren? Yeah, the old the old Emmet <laughs> thermostat, and then the old you know, Emmet. I've still got Emmets. I've still yeah, got a your snake would rub against it and turn it up and turn, turn it down. And, you know, <laughs> just yeah, we, we were. Yeah, there's still probably. Uh, I'm not sure who I was listening to. I think it might have been Ryan McVeigh used the term MacGyvering the shit out of everything to, 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 make it, <laughs> to make it work for reptiles. You know, we're not completely out of those woods yet, but yeah. by Jesus, bloody good nowadays and we're, we're getting there. I still remember a few people telling me how they used to have to go and buy like a heated blanket and then rip the cord out from it so they could build snake yeah. racks and heat yep. up snake racks. Yeah. <laughs> yep. You take it for granted being able to go down to the shops and just pull one off a shelf when, for 40 bucks or whatever. Especially this yeah. day and age. When, when Brian Barnett started selling the thermofilm stuff yeah. via the herb shop, that was a revelation. That was I an absolute that, revelation. It was about 94, wasn't it, Darren? Yeah, yeah. I reckon it would have been about 94. And it was it was insane. It was so easy. But then you had to be yep. careful because, you know, I, I, I had a rat, a rat catch fire with that stuff. Because it was it was pretty loose the way you yeah. used to hook it up. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Crimp it on, clip the old plastic insulating Just covers. Push it down, she'll be right. Your yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, melting plastic tubs and all sorts of shit. But um yeah, look, I mean that we did things a different way 20, 25, 30 years ago, you know. Um you had to, yeah. But at the same time too, you know, that's where we were. This is where we are now, you know, we've, we've got to be willing to to change and adapt to these new new things yeah absolutely yeah and be yeah, willing to, to embrace look new it. things as well yep yep but, it's a, but it's um, you know it's well, like, sorry sorry um, go cam yeah like i was just going to say like being in that time where things weren't so readily available and that it gives you a sense of um more experience like you know you you do have to learn to do things yourself rather than just going to the store and buying something like yeah um I'm not one to buy branded things. Like if I can yeah. make something myself or, you know, yeah. try and make up something rather than just go and pay for it. Cause it's got a reptile branding. Like that's yeah. not what I do, but in a general sense, that's how you guys looked after your animals. It was more just what can I do to make this animal as best as I can possibly do with what I have. Well, one of the, the things other... that we used to do as an example, right, is you never used to be able to get colored globes. Or when you did buy those yeah. colour globes, the party globes used to cost you two bucks each. And so mm -hmm. what you do is you go down to the, the auto place, go and buy some engine paint, and you get yeah. a yeah. you get multiple globes, and then you yeah. paint them, you'd set them all up on wire racks, and then you spray them all with engine paint. And yeah. then yeah. you try work out which was the best colour that was as dark as possible, so you didn't have um anything like that. Interruption to photo period, yeah. Yeah, but then you'd also need to heat the run the globes for about a week beforehand to burn them off you, get, yeah. you need to burn that chemical off the outside mm. of it just yeah. because you couldn't get colored globes yeah you know, these are the sorts of things you had to try and figure out how to make it work and mm. you'd be pulling apart thermostats from air conditioning systems and heating systems and trying to figure out which one would handle 240 volts so you know we didn't have thermostats back then when we were first starting and things like that so We've come a huge, a huge way, but at the same time too, some of those old ways aren't necessarily bad either, and they they seem to work a little bit more reliably than than some of the newer yeah. ways as well. Yeah. Oh, there's definitely a lot of new ways that you just look at it and just go, why? Like, yeah. Why does it need to be like that? <laughs> yeah. Um, 
but it's simplicity, isn't it? Everyone's going to the simple option as well. Yeah, and and you know the other thing that all these podcasts and and information that's out there, you know, back in the day, I people would find out I had snakes and I'd go, "What for? What do you do with them?" Yeah, you know, because they weren't a dog or a cat. Whereas nowadays, people will go, "Oh, you've got snakes!" So we might, you know, you might get a tradesman in or whatever, you know, and he might see these enclosures behind me or something. And go, "Oh, what's in there?" You know, next minute you're having a twenty-minute conversation with someone, um, and yeah, you know, they could have been the only good snake is a dead snake type of guy before they came. Yeah, but right. um, you know, you we used to keep it quiet because people thought you were a, you were a freak or a weirdo if you had snakes at home. It's funny, working at a zoo, you talk to people every day and a lot more recently, you know, every other person you speak to says, oh, you know, my cousin's friend has a snake or my uncle, yeah, exactly. whatever yeah. has a snake. Like, it's, it's a yeah. lot more common now than it used yeah. to be. Yeah. yeah, I find that their attitude has really changed. Like back in the day, you might not want to mention that you like snakes because you'd get the, oh, you know, I don't like snakes or, you know, just kill it or, or anything like that. But now I find when I talk about what I what I keep, people are, are really, really interested and you know, we, we, there's that, there's that, um, you know, like uh, I try not to bring up the fact that I, of what I do and, and, and what I keep to people, but, but everyone, everyone always asks, you know, if they know that I keep, they always ask, they learn the names of the animals, they ask how each one's going. Yeah. Um, people are just like, like, like interested. It, it definitely helps when you have, um, like charismatic, uh, animals in your collection as well, other than just snakes, you know, if you have, you know, a lot of people have blue tongues and people might see a blue tongue in their garden and then if you take them in your room and you show them a blue tongue first, it sort of eases them into the fact that you've got, you know, nine foot pythons and, and all and all the rest of it. It definitely um, breaks that, that barrier a little bit. And I can't imagine what it's like for the for the venomous keepers, you know. I don't keep keep venomous, but um what I find like when I bring people uh, into this room, docs the first thing that you see. But quite quite often they, they look come in and they look left and they go and they look right right and then they look straight ahead and they go oh fuck what's what's that <laughs> as, as a, as a <laughs> into water and makes a big splash and they go and they go whoa 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 what is this thing what is this what is this thing you have in your house you know and i always just like yeah man it's doc she's pretty cool you know like it's, it's just nuts there's certainly so, been a i think that's a really positive change there's been a shift in the community as well that we've noticed with regards to when we're doing the demos in that we don't have anywhere near the same amount of people come up to us and go, oh, yeah, it's good snakes or dead snake. You don't hear that so much these days in the crowds. But yeah. They're coming back to you going, oh, you know, I, I shot this snake. It's, it's I saw this snake. Or I was out bushwalking and I saw this snake as opposed to I killed this snake. What do you think it is? You know, um, mm. slowly but surely, yeah. you know, the, the, um, the public is becoming more educated about, you know, reptile welfare in a, in a positive light. Yeah, mm. Mm. I, I look at I look at my father-in-law as a bit of an example for this too, because he came from the from the country. You know, his dad used to always shoot every snake he saw and all the rest of it. And after uh, living with him, saving money for our own place for the better part of five years, you know, obviously I went on holidays occasionally and needed somebody to look after him, and I used to teach him on how to look after these things. And he completely switched his tune right around. He was so so into the reptiles and used to love going down there and poking around with me for half an hour just having a look at everything and seeing how it is and you know he'd, he'd quite happily hold a few of the snakes and stuff like that and you know nowadays he's completely changed his tune which are, you know education is awesome man and like you know if you can change one person's view then you've done the done the hobby and, and the animals justice so 
Yes. Kind of just to pull it back on track, Mitch, who inspires you in this hobby and why? That was the question, wasn't it? It was. <laughs> so, okay. We're allowed to get derailed. That's the fun of it. Uh, yeah, let's see. Uh, I'll go three broad ones because it's always hard to, and this is sort of captive stuff, but I'll give a shout out to, I guess, the content creators in many ways. I think like everyone here that's a content creator has done an excellent job in sort of, I don't know, and um, everyone's talking about it. It's not exactly like a, a subverted thing, but like there has been a pivot in the community, I think broadly, at least in YouTube, where it's very much gone from a stamp collecting, you know, as the analogy is, um, sort of perspective to the enclosure and things like that. I think it's really inspiring to see that sort of public pivot because something that's always sat badly with me, and I wouldn't, well, I won't say sat badly probably, but like the outside perspective of racking. You know, I remember when I first got into reptiles, I played a Brian Barcheck video that I, I was, you know, we all got obsessed with, I'm sure. Uh, I played a Brian Barcheck video for a mate of mine. He's like, why the fuck has this guy got a warehouse of snakes? Like, what the fuck is wrong with them sort of thing? Not at having snakes, just that he's got a warehouse of tubs of snakes. And I was like, no, no, that's how you keep snakes, you know? Um, yeah, it's interesting seeing this collective pivot from content creators to, and look, that stuff still happens and I'm not at all passing judgment. I know it happens. I have things in racks. I'm sure people have things in racks. I'm trying to move away from racks, as I always say, slowly but steady, um, but it is what it is. They sort of purpose, blah, blah, blah. All these points have been had, but it's nice to see the public perspective and the attitude of the first time keeper being shifted towards, don't just throw it in a shoebox. It's going to be a pet, keep it nicely, do a background, do all that sort of stuff. So I found that very inspiring. Um, in a similar way, on a more personal one, I've got uh, a sort of a, a, a chat with a, a bunch of mates who are, are reptile aficionados and enthusiasts. Um, and, you know, it's been a more personal transition for, I think, all of us on that journey. So it's been really nice sort of seeing everyone go from let's have more animals to let's cut down to what we really like and focus on, you know, what's keeping us enjoying these animals and the hobby. So it's been nice having mates to chat with about that. And a final one, probably someone that, no one else will bring up, but I think it's quite an inspiring sort of person for the sheer persistence and their love of the animals they keep. And some people in the Agamid group have probably seen this guy. But Mark Hawker, if you've ever spoken to Mark, there is no one that Scott's spoken to Mark. There is no I've known Mark for 15 years, mate. He's a great bloke. He is the most passionate, the most passionate Agamid keeper I've ever met. And he has seen us all blood, sweat, and tears. Again, it's, uh, I think, from my experience, and I think other people will probably say it with the exception of a few species, the hardest things to keep in captivity across the board. You know, some things do well, but overall they're, they're probably not as well adjusted as, say, pythons or, for instance, a gurnia skinks or anything like that. Like, they're a bit, a bit more touchy. And Mark's done a phenomenal job keeping them and just having a passion for them. And that's all his passion is. He doesn't keep anything else. He just keeps shit tons of the gamuts. Um, and their reproductive strategy is completely different to most of the other reptiles we keep, though, too. Oh, exactly. Yeah. An annual or biannual cycle. So, you know, the the fact that you've got, you you know, we're talking before about breeding, you know, that's a a group of animals that you have to breed pretty much every year if you want to maintain your your collection. And that's what he does. Like, he keeps a a lot of diaper and things like that. And it's exactly. Short lifespan. Yeah, Yeah, exactly. And it's just you've got to breed them to maintain them because they don't last long. You know, there's a few agamids that do have reasonable captive lifespans, like Coops and I have spoken about it before, but like central netters do go quite well in captivity long term. Uh, Long nosed dragons, I think uh, Mark's got some that I think are 11 or 12. 
like the um, pretty like one generation off the original uh, like wild takes that were done in WA decades ago. Um, so some of them do kick on, but some of them are just such touchy animals. I think another shout out I'll give there too is, uh, I guess another quite one, but on the Gamma page too, Phil Loveridge, um, probably seen in post, but Phil is newer to the Agamid game, like two years, three years, but he's smashing goals. And I'm sure some people saw recently, um, a quite exciting when he got out was on eight dragons. So he's got some baby ornates that he's bred. So, um, yeah, good all round. Uh, but those are my comments. Good stuff. Over to Coops. <laughs> <laughs> Pass the ball. Yeah, so uh, Tyson summed it up really well before. You know, basically everything he said, I agree with. Um, I think I'm really inspired this year, especially by, yeah, again, people like Matt Somerville with anyone who's, you know, promoting something new and fresh and trying to be the best, I guess. And really just putting that inspiration forward as well as anyone who's, you know, out herping and documenting anything like that. Cause end of the day, like everything in captivity is sort of stems from the wild and replicating the wild in some sort of sense to keep the animals in the best way we can. Um, so any anyone that's putting out information like that is just gold and it just really inspires you to do better for the animals. And then along with that, I would say uh, Tyson himself as well because I've seen some of the things he's working on behind the scenes at the moment. And, um, yeah, I'm excited to see some of the innovation and things that are coming in uh, in the future with enclosures and everything. So trying to just continually improve. So anything like that is just really good inspiration for me. Oh, that's Thanks, awesome. Uh, Lim limits are there to be pushed, hey. So, yeah, yeah. for sure. Can always 100%. push them. 100%. What about you, Jace? Yeah, me. I'm finally on the computer now. So, my internet seems to be back and working properly. So, might be able that to answer a few good. questions. I know. <laughs> um, yeah, basically, I'm, this year is probably more so a lot of um, a lot of the herpers and oh. photographers that are kicking around on Instagram. Like Matt Somerville, obviously, that everyone seems to be going with matt um couple, like, there's a whole there's a whole soon. barrage what's that sorry his head's gonna float away soon yeah i know he's just gonna he's gonna <laughs> sail off um yeah a lot of a lot of the photographers on instagram some of the young guys some of the older guys are uh, tropical cole even luke youngins him um elliot those Bud. type of guys elliot bud yeah he posted that shot of that chameleon gecko the other day and just man that just flies just so far out. Like that's just like basically something I aspire to do now that I've done a little bit of herping and getting out myself. Um, and people like you, Scott, having you there, you know, to chat to and sling questions to, like that's basically like a, a pot of gold, you know. Like we've had a few chats on the phone for, you know, an hour here and there. We're both supposed to be working, but we're chatting on the phone. But, um, yeah. It's a long toilet break, Jase. Yeah, all well, these are toilet yeah. breaks. These ones, mate. <laughs> but, I can um, ring while I'm on the on the way to another side or something like that when I'm in the car. It's not so bad, but yeah, you know, it's, it's it's nuts. But yeah, but yeah, no, having you there to you know bounce things off and ask questions and this and that. That's you know that's yeah, I like that's a real you know a real good thing. And um, like like Doc and or oh, Tyson. And Coop touched on a lot of the, the content creators that are kicking around, like obviously Luke, obviously Tyson, Coop, yourself and all that, pointing the direction of this hobby into like a a good direction, so to speak. All this naturalistic stuff and this and that, getting away from all the racks like you touched on, Coop. 
you know, it's good to see the hobby going that way. And it's, it paints, you know, it doesn't paint the hobby in a negative light in a way. But like, you know, like you said, there's nothing wrong with racks and that. But, you know, it's just good to see. But then another person's you, Luke, you know, having you here to do the podcast with, like, oh, you thanks, know, mate. shot you a message one day to see if you want to do one because I've always wanted to do one. And, you know, I'm not the best person at public speaking. And, you know, there's obviously times where, like, I'm like, oh, you're a bit more organized than me. And I'm just kind of like, when we're chatting to people, you've got the questions and this and that, and I kind of just bounce off you. So having you there, you know, it's probably, yeah, you're prob- probably the, the biggest one this year, I think, Luke. You're making my ego big, man. I'm not going to get out of this bloody room. <laughs> but, yeah, so, but, yeah, honestly, yeah, it's it's been good. This Like, I've loved doing this podcast and chatting with everyone and chatting with some of the people we've spoke to, like people that I've looked up to for years, never thought I'd ever speak to and, well, you know, we're having a beer with them and having a chat with them and this and that. And, you know, I'm not the, like I said, not the best, haven't been the best public speaker. I'm getting a little bit better. But, um, yeah, having you there has kind of helped me, helped me a lot more than, you know, anyone else, I, I think. So I, I'm definitely not the best public speaker either. And I know Cooper and I in particular have talked about this a lot in the past. Like half the reason we're doing what we're doing was to just to try to get ourselves out of our shells a little bit. Yeah. Um, you know, I definitely think you got the best voice for radio out of, out of the both of us um but yeah (laughs) somebody's trying to call into my house i wonder what that's about um yeah but you know other than that like i I agree mate it's um it's been an absolute whirlwind and you were actually in my my top three uh being number one there too because you know this is something that i never thought possible and half the speaking people that we're speaking to i never thought possible you know it's all stuff that i've heard other people speaking to and being able to have those conversations either side of a podcast or whatever has just been absolutely amazing um you know there's always some kind of juicy gossip or whatever that happens either side of it and some stories and some more experiences shared so that's been really phenomenal um scott Mate, you've been one of the other ones as well. I know we're going to make your ego a little bit big here, but I remember being in the backyard when you first called me, um, you know, as we were doing the podcast or whatever, and you pretty much just rambled on about UV for about 45 minutes and then told me, oh, yeah, you know, if you want me to come on the podcast, that'll be great. And I'm like, yeah. I remember just putting down the phone and turning around to my wife and she's like, who the fuck was that? And I was like, that was Scott Iper. I got his books in my shelf. Like, I never thought I'd ever bloody speak to the guy. But, you know, like... That I think we spoke after that, didn't we? I'm like, Scott rang me. Like, Scott rang me. I was like, holy shit. <laughs> you, can't, you, you can't take a back step moving forward, guys. You know, at the That's end exactly of the day, right. It's, it's all about... You know, but at the same time, though, too, um, look, I, I, you know, I'm not someone to look up to. I'm just another reptile keeper like everyone else. You know, it's, we're just we're all doing something that we all enjoy, and at the end of the day, if we all enjoy it, we're all willing to talk about it. You know, that's that's what it's all about, yeah. and that's the I whole idea was... of this podcast too. It's it's not yeah. it is it is another way of disseminating information, and you know, I suppose the difference that, and I suppose you know, Darren and myself probably appreciated a little bit more than you guys being a bit younger, is that it was so hard to get information previously. Yeah, you know, yeah. and it wasn't because people yeah. didn't want to help each other out. It's that we didn't have the medium to do it. You know, we used to go to hurt meetings once every three or four months, and that's when you have all these people get together and they all talk about stuff at that point in time. Yep. And um, outside of that, it was a three-hour phone call of a night time after work. Yeah. yeah. And so you know, it, you're talking to one person at a time or two people or whatever. You're going away on a trip, and it wasn't that the information was locked up, but the information was effectively locked up in a lot of ways. 
something like this, you're literally reaching people across the globe. And, you know, while we don't keep, obviously, exotic reptiles here, the people overseas listen to these podcasts and they have an opportunity to connect with people literally across the globe. Now, likewise, you know, you guys can get in contact with people that are sort of leading the way in bioactivity and how to set up backgrounds and things like that whether they be in Germany or whether they be in the US or, or whatever. And you can literally go, hey, what works for you? Or how? what can you get? Where can you source this from? So the while social media is a, is a, is a bit of a shit at times, it's also a, a fantastic way to, con to connect. And if we use it in such a way that um, we look for the positives in it, then it's, then it's a great thing. Yeah, definitely. Definitely something that... Um, I've noticed as well, like, since starting the YouTube and I get you know, people from overseas asking about the products and stuff I'm using and at the end of the day, our products aren't available overseas, but the, the concept and the idea is still there, yeah. that these people are getting inspired to change the way that they keep their animals. Even though their animals aren't kept in the same way, the concept is still the same and the concept is changing. Mm. So... If I can push someone into that direction and, you know, go, well, I can't get that product or you can't get that product where you are, but I have been told that this one works or you, you, I still try and help them. If and, you know, I've got no idea what you can get overseas. It's just what I've been told and yeah. my feedback. So I'm happy yeah. to share that on whenever I can and it's good to see. Yeah. Well, I, I know uh, Riley Jimison from Carpets and Coffee has been contacting me a fair bit about doing backgrounds and stuff and trying <laughs> to find similar products for him over in the US has been an absolute nightmare. And I'm like, I don't know, man, I just go to the hardware shop and pick up a tub of tile point yeah. for 40 bucks and call it a day, well, you know? Like, yeah, well, they've got that Zoopoxy, and, yeah, you know, exactly. which we don't yeah. have Yeah, here. that's expensive stuff, though. I've looked into it. It's, yeah? Um, quite expensive, and it doesn't go a very long way. Right. Um, they got that dry yeah, lock I mean, stuff as well. Yeah, yeah, I was going to say dry yeah. lock. Dry lock's what they seem to be using. I don't know what it is. I think it's just no like idea. our pond sealant. That's yeah, what I think I'm it's thinking, still but it looks like it dries a lot harder. So, but, you know, but I suppose, too, you could always get them to take a photo of what the active ingredients are within it and potentially yeah. try and yeah. marry up to something that's here. And I, I suppose which, that's the which, point, you know. We, we you, yeah, I have I have done that with um, a couple of guys that I've just sent them the logo, the label of the, of yeah. the tile pointing, and um, and I have had a guy send me videos of a dry lock enclosure, yeah, and it's definitely a lot harder, like to actually hit and to scratch than what our pond sealers and stuff would be. Mm. So I'm I'm pretty confident in saying it's a very similar product as to what we use, but. Yeah. Oh, good stuff. The, so, the dry lock is a latex-based, low VOC concrete sealer. Yeah, which is basically what the roof tile pointing is. It's a it's a flexible kind of. It won't be called dry lock. Waterproof and solid. Yeah. So um yeah, just to right. kind of bring it back onto the next question, guys. What was your herping highlight of the year and, and uh, what did you find? Yeah, nice. Going to kick us off here, Scott? No, oh, fuck. <laughs> um, we're going top to bottom, we're on the mate. topic of shouting people out and you can caught. Okay, no, the um, 
I, I suppose it, it was unsuccessful, but I, I, I'm, I'm still cracking, having a crack at it. Is I'm trying to chase a blind snake down from that's about 80 kilometres west of me, um, or sorry, 40 kilometres west of me. Uh, it's only known from one specimen. So, you know, I've had four goes at it so far this year, and, you know, I'll have quite a few more goes at it. Eventually, I'm going to find the bastard. <laughs> Hopefully, the bandy bandies aren't chasing it. Oh, set up, so set up rain alerts. <laughs> yeah, I've got. I'm. I as soon as I'm watching, I watch the rain. As soon as that rain's mm. hitting, the, the following day I'm out. So, yep. Yeah. It, the problem is, oh. it's it's 13 centimeters long. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> Needle in a haystack. Yeah. What about you, Cam? Uh, Have you come across anything? Yeah. Well, Luckily enough, where I'm working is a bit of a rainforest, so um, I've moved multiple long-necked turtles and come across the occasional red belly. But other than that, yeah, I don't, I don't uh, get out and about and get amongst the bush. But still happy to move a few turtles off the road so they don't get skittled. So that's my part. I've seen the longies; always good fun, mate. Yeah. I never get never get bored of a turtle. Till they piss everywhere. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> what about you, Tyson? Have you come across anything? You there, Tyson? I think we might have. He might be suffering my internet. <laughs> yeah, maybe. <laughs> uh, not, not really. I, don't, I don't get out this... surfing too much, but one thing I can say that has been very awesome about moving to the central. Oh, I'm here. All good, mate. I think there's a bit of a lag. Hello. We've got you. I think, uh, yeah, I think he's. Yeah, I, I think it must um, be. The... I haven't really been out hoping that much, uh, but what I can say. Uh, oh, sweet. So, what I can say has been a pretty awesome thing about moving uh, from Sydney to the Central Coast is that I now get. Um, I get uh, Eastern Water Dragons, I get Yellow Valley Three Toad Skinks, I get Broadtail Leaf Geckos, um, all, all in my house basically. And last week I actually found a, a blind snake in my in my backyard, uh, which was you know, third, so this Kiwi boy longer. living in Australia. That's <laughs> that's pretty bloody cool to have any type of snake in your backyard. So, um, yeah, and it's so much better. <laughs> I think it's a bit longer than that actually, but um. I actually like I, I lifted a I had some um some like uh, log garden edging lying in a corner and as I as I picked it up I I, uh, I didn't really really realize what it was at first and I managed to grab it by the tail um, but its head was already down a hole and I, I I lost it basically so I never saw the head but yeah I knew exactly what it was as soon as I had my hands on it so that was uh, that was pretty cool oh good stuff what about you Darren have you found anything this year? Haven't done any herping trips, but I, we we just did that trip to Paul Lincoln in November. I lost count of how many dead Peninsula Browns we saw on the road. Um, yeah. We managed to dodge a couple, even with a caravan on the back. The couple we were travelling with thought I'd gone nuts trying to swear for a snake with a caravan <laughs> on the back. But anyway, um, but I did find right on right on the edge of a cliff. Actually, uh, found a beautiful little uh, Demancia, little whip snake of some sort that Scott kindly identified for me that was a very pretty little snake but um yeah nothing nothing too significant 
Oh, it's still pretty cool. Yeah, yeah stuff, stuff that you know I've I've never seen that before. So, you know, that, that's pretty cool to me. What about you, Mitch? You've probably spent half the year in the bush now. You sure have come across something? I have. Good. I've spent a lot of time in a lot of different parts of New South Wales. <laughs> um, I would say. I, I know I gave my spiel to everyone before we started. I've actually, so uh, prior to starting my new job, I had seen one Cyphos Aqualis, which is yellow belly three-toed skink roadkill. Um, and that is the only one I've ever seen of the Wadigans in the wild. Um, I've now seen probably over 200 plus of them uh, across seven, eight different populations across all of New South Wales. And I have to say that I've found them incredibly cool. Just the variation between populations and size. That's so uh, awesome. The, yeah, exactly. So Coops works or has worked with them previously as well, so he knows how impressive they are. They're actually really cool captives too. Like they're real. Depends on again the populations, but they become really ballsy little animals in captivity. And like as soon as you walk in, they'll stick their heads out of burrows and start sussing you out, and they look like a little um, death worm. They're kind of like yeah. sussing out, waiting for the cricket to come around. And, you know, you can tongue feed them. And, yeah, they're really, really cool critters. So having seen them across so many different populations and just, like, the variation, like, the ones on the coast in northern New South Wales are tiny. And then the ones in New England are, like, oh, geez, ma like, massive by comparison, not massive animals, but they're just such a, a fascinating species. So seeing them around everywhere has been a real highlight for me to be honest for such a common dismissed species to be frank um and then other than that i also found in june i was out in sturt and got a red phase copper taniata uh, sorry to notice taniatus which is quite cool i think they're really pretty so i was really excited to see a red one of those you mentioned the wadigans there mitch i've, I've heard in the wadigans quite a few times it's an amazing place steven's oh, band you know like yeah great um, but every time I was ever there, there was always logging trucks driving out full of logs. Is that still going on? Or yeah, I don't. I've only I've gone a few times now, like probably half a dozen or so. I've only started going in recent years. I have not seen it, but it wouldn't surprise me because there's a lot of state forest around it as well still. Mm. So yeah, definitely logging. logging. Actually, talking of herp highlights, Wadigans is a good example of one. Completely not that cool, but I found a pygopus there. And for me, that was really exciting because I know someone that's um, herped the Wadigans for 20 years and found every species there under the sun except a Pygopus. So it was real fun to piss them off with that. <laughs> <laughs> and, like, you know, they'd found the most stunning tiger I'd ever seen. It was just this beautiful-looking tiger snake. You know, they get tons of Stevens bandits there. They live right on right on the Wadigans, like it's their backyard. Um, and they've never seen a Pygopus there. So finding this Pygopus and pissing them off with it was great. <laughs> It's always good to put What's the wind up all people. About? <laughs> I was like, oh, Pygopus, this sucks. And then when I found out he was desperate to see one there, I was like, well, this got better. <laughs> <laughs> what about you, Jace? Me? Uh, it's to be honest, probably that Burton's we found the other night. Yeah. That, that copper-coloured Burton's. That was full tail, and presumably we thought both thought it was gravid, so yeah that's probably no, that, yeah do you want to give all the that. listeners and do you want to give all the listeners a bit of context about what we found the other night because these are all firsts for you i was kind of yeah. like this is, this is cool but i got more excited about you seeing these yeah well, the we time. found that burton's and then there was the golden crown snake um what else 
We found another Burton's that was climbing That's up. That's right, the, another the one, yeah, the... climbing up, up the wall. And obviously the Boiger. Um, but, yeah, that Burton's, the, oh, the color of it, just that that copper copper color. It was almost like you looked at it and it just it just didn't look real almost. Yeah. I've never seen one that color. And it was in its so. natural habitat of trapped in a gutter as well. Yeah, tra- trapped in a rain <laughs> gutter. Perfect. Perfect natural habitat. <laughs> still chasing one of those bright yellow ones, eh? Oh, yeah, yeah, that'd be unreal. I've still never seen a bright yellow Burton's. I've seen every colored Burton's under the sun. I've found yeah. plenty of roadkill yellow ones. I've just never got a bright yellow one. Either. Used to get some big ones up in Darwin. They were normally that cream color. Yeah. Yeah. Are the yellow ones like? Uh, are they more to North Queensland? That's what I vaguely had in my mind. I don't know if that's um, real or is this just like anything where they pop up anywhere. Well, I've seen yellow ones at Townsville. And I've seen them out towards um, Mount Carbine as well, but at, I've seen yellowish ones out of, out in the Brigalow as well. But, right, right. But yeah, I mean, it's, I think they can be sort of anywhere, I suppose. I just every time I've seen them, they've all been bloody run over. So. Yeah. Sometimes the way they get, well, the way that goes, right. Well, I suppose the biggest highlight for me this year was not finding Gil and I. Um, you know, it was really awesome to be in the habitat of those animals and actually see where my animals eventually, you know, originally came from. Um, but in all seriousness, I think the the coolest animal that I found this year was a Centralian knobtail gecko. You know, being able to to find one of those guys after about three nights of searching for one, and you know, <laughs> seeing how excited my wife was that we finally found it, <laughs> that was a bit of a, a a cool experience to be able to share with her and and chase one down and kind of get a few decent photos of it. Um, but, yeah, I love I loved going to the NT, man. I'm, I'm so stoked. to. We're hopefully going back again in February. I'm, I'm really crossed. excited about that. Did we Fingers get Crips answer? Or did, did it shut oh, no. around? I don't think we got I think I, com- I completely, sk- completely skipped him. All right, Coop, you go. <laughs> um, all righty. So, for me, they've actually been quite recent, um, at least for local stuff. So, a few nights ago, I found... A hatchling, I assume it was a hatchling, it was tiny, absolutely tiny, uh, Boiga, which was really cool. Um, little, Basically a little toothpick, it was awesome. But um, And then as well, uh, last Saturday actually, I went to a new spot and found two Stevens bandits and I hadn't seen them before, so I was pretty stoked on that. And um, I just love that genus of, of uh, snakes, they're really cool. So that was a bit of a highlight. A bloody cool highlight. I can't yeah. wait to see a Stephen Band Stephen's banded. Yeah. yeah. That um how that boy go like if you were to measure it out, how big do you actually reckon it was? Do you reckon it was like like fresh, fresh hatched? I mean it looked like it. It was I mean it's hard to say, it was only like this long or so, like it was just tiny centimeters. Something like that, yeah. Yeah. Just minuscule. I, I'm surprised they even saw it on the road, to be honest. Got a photo of it somewhere. <laughs> yeah, Luke, Luke showed me the photo of that tiger you got as well. Yeah, it was cool. That um, everyone's been yeah, a lot of lot of babies, babies out at the moment. Yeah. yeah, I know. Um, I know Michael and Kai in the chat have been pulling them out of everywhere. What's this? Yeah, uh, baby tiger snakes. Oh, I was saying tiger snakes in general. I was like, mm. oh wow. Oh wow, yeah. Yeah, it was really Proper tiny. tiny. <laughs> it's like a piece of spaghetti. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. 
Just I it was actually real chilled out. He didn't mind it. Plus, it was raining too, so that kind of helped. But um, yeah. <laughs> oh, good stuff, right, guys. I might, I might have to leave you with it, eh? Um, yeah, no worries, mate. Thanks for coming guys. on. Um, I hope you guys uh, do this show this time next year. We plan to. We plan to. Thanks yeah. for being a guest too and coming on and giving us both Luke and I a hand throughout the year. So. Really, oh, really appreciate, appreciate it. it. Happy to, happy to. All right, guys, have a great show, eh? Thanks, mate. Have a good one. Thanks, mate. Thanks, See you, mate. Catch us, All right, so uh, the next question that we've actually got lined up here is basically, what is your favourite reptile-related content out there? Obviously, aside from the podcast that we do, um, you know, I just want to try to give back to the people that are out there doing the kind of content and all the hard yards. You know, has anybody got any sort of favourites you want to throw out? I'll steal Tyson's one before he says it. Animals <laughs> at home. <laughs> hey, did you I, say uh, sorry? Animals at home. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I, I rate probably this podcast, obviously, and Animals at Home is the top two. I give another shout-out, actually, one that I got put on recently from a post Scott or Ty made on Nature For You. But the West Australian, I can't remember it, West Australian Hurt podcast or whatever, that's two blokes over there. And it's nice hearing the WA perspective given, I don't want to sound negative with it, but like how insular their community is because of the rules. Like WA has got pretty tight restrictions. And so it's kind of cool hearing a very WA perspective on things and like, you know, how G'd up they are for like olive pythons or children's pythons or things that on the East Coast and the Eastern States are treated like dirt. Uh, like, I don't mean dirt in a bad way, you know, dirt snakes. Yeah. 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 Anyway, um, it's cool hearing a totally different perspective on it and just the, the attitude. So, yeah, that, Reptile Chat WA, that's it. Yeah, thank you, Bulls Reptiles. Um, but I've, I've really enjoyed that. They got Brian Barcheck on as well. And, like, again, I've, I wouldn't say I'm a fan of his. I wouldn't say I'm a, a critic either. But it was very interesting hearing his perspective from the non- persona like he, he puts on a persona for his youtube like it is an mm, act yeah I would say. um in my opinion in case he wants to threaten me with defamation in my opinion <laughs> um <laughs> but uh you know it's one of those things where he has it and it was nice hearing a real stripped back um uh performance free version of himself in my yeah sort of yeah i've got to admit yeah. when i was coming back into the hobby brian barcheck i would watch it every day but I got to a point where I just couldn't watch it anymore. Yeah, I was just um, actually. <laughs> you know, I just sort of, I'd, I'd had my fill and and I just, I never watch it now. I unsubscribe from it. But yeah. No, no I, I'm the exact same. And the thing was, is like, I knew the name and I was like, wow. And again, not being negative, this very little podcast over in WA has got Brian Barcheck. That's pretty cool to see mm, someone, mm. you know, Are they the guys that do the cold blooded cousins? channel on youtube is that the same guys i'm honestly not sure i've seen cold blood cousins i don't think it is but steve tucky or something yes no okay. i don't think it is yeah yeah but um yeah it was just a and they've got some other really good guests and a lot of wa personalities that no one over here has heard of um, they have brian bush yeah. on there uh they're getting brian bush from what they've said which would be quite exciting he's awesome. brian yeah, bush he's is great hard to get for things yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah. So you're telling us Yep. <laughs> yep. Oh, that's um, cool. That, that that's going to give me another podcast to listen to now. I don't know yeah, same here actually. Yeah. 
I did see that post that Scott put out, but I, I just had a quick scroll through it, so I didn't actually read all the podcasts on it. Um, but yeah, so that animals at home. I really, I exactly what I'm not going to repeat Tyson, but you know, Dylan Perrin just absolutely kicks it out of the park every episode, mm. just like you guys do. Thanks, mate. <laughs> <laughs> and, I, and I think it's not just the guests that he has on, but it's the topics that he chooses to talk about as well. Uh, okay. Really good. Really good. I'm excited. I'm going to play some of that on the way to work tomorrow, by the sounds of it. Yeah, same. <laughs> All right, we're going to jump backwards. Let's go to you, Cam. Um, I don't know, really. I think anyone in the sort of Australian hobby, uh, it's always good to get out there and learn from it. It is the animals that we're keeping, you know. It's, um, it's always good to learn from those guys. And uh, like I said earlier, Luke, yours, your channel is the first one I come across uh, when I got back into the hobby. And um, yeah, just basically chasing all you, all you Aussie reptile content, is whatever the word is that you want to use. Um, yeah, Coop, like your stuff's doing well. Like I, I follow your videos a fair bit. And um, there's another one. Oh, uh, shout out to Kai and Michael. Hurry up and get uh, get your YouTube going. I reckon that'll be pretty good as well. There are. Uh, couple of local Illawarra guys that get out and herp a fair bit so it'd be good to you know follow along with their uh, their adventures I suppose so both top blokes and opposite ends of the age spectrum as well you know Michael's uh, uh, not an older gentleman by any means but um, Kai's on the younger side and uh, yeah it's good it'd be good to see those two get out and see what they get up to and uh, see 100%. my local area as well that I don't get to see. <laughs> yeah, I'm I'm all for more Aussie herp YouTubers, in my opinion, just because I love being able to see the natural habitats and stuff out there. And yeah, for sure, yeah, I, I love that sort of content. I just eat all that up. It'll be good to see something as well, like yeah, like you know, out in Western Australia or Northern Territory and stuff like that. Like, there's obviously a lot of stuff out there to see, but even a a video of you know Helensburg in Sydney like there's oh sorry in, in north of Wollongong like yeah there's so much stuff that's right at your back door that everyone tends to just blow over if mm. that sort of makes sense like um yeah you always see a lot of videos from out out in western Australia or western New South Wales or things like that but there's a lot of reptiles along the coast of New South Wales and the Central Coast that are mind-blowing. Um, and they sort of get overlooked. Seems to be a lot of desert or North Queensland sort of videos, I suppose. Yeah. So it'd be good if, um, yeah, to see if these guys actually get on and get some content in, in the, the sort of coastal regions, I suppose. Because there's not many people, you know, doing the Australian reptile videos, so everyone has something that they can contribute, you know. Yeah. Yeah. Hundred yeah, percent. Definitely. Definitely. What What about you, Jace? You want to go next? Have we got everyone else? Not yet. Are you still thinking of your answers? Yep. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Cooper, you're in the hot seat, then, mate. Uh, yeah, so I agree with everyone else. Obviously, the uh, animals at home is great, but 
to sort of add on to that, another guy who does a lot of videos with um, Dylan, um, Reptiles and Research, the YouTube channel. Um, he kind of does a deep dive on a lot of uh, you know, research topics and things, like a lot of misconceptions in the hobby, things like that. So I haven't watched a lot of it, but what I have watched seems pretty awesome stuff. So if you ever need to like debunk something that someone said that's a, a common myth or something, he's usually got a video for it or one coming out. So that's yeah. something cool to check out. And then obviously, you know, Natural Herb Keeper and all that, I absolutely love. So, yeah. Good stuff. You've awesome. given me another channel to subscribe to. I just quickly went and did that. I was like, well, yeah. debunking myths. I'm all down for that. Yeah. <laughs> I don't mind supporting whoever's out there. I love watching all this stuff. Um, Definitely a lot about... of myths in reptile keeping. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. For sure. <laughs> yeah. For sure. Uh, what about you, Darren? Uh, I'm, I, again, Animals at Home is a big one. Um, I, I always watch that as soon as it goes up. Um, Reptilian Diaries. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I love that. I love his attitude. I love the, the way he presents his videos. It's, uh, yeah, it's sort of, it's real and it's, it, yeah, no, really good. Really good. Um, yeah, they've done a few West Australian trips. Um, I've sent him a few messages trying to convince him to come to the north of SA, take him up the middle backs or something like that. would be pretty good. Um, yeah. Uh, what else? Uh, the the Steve Tucky, the cold blooded cousins. You know their yeah. their videos as well. Mm. You know they're, uh, they're they're fairly low key, I guess, but you know in, interesting stuff. And they do a lot of travel as well. They've they've done some Southeast Asian trips as well that they've videoed. So yeah, uh, just yeah, always looking for good ones. And it's good you have a conversation like this. And there you go. I found out about two more that I need to look at. So yeah. Good sharing's caring, mate, and you just stole pretty much two of my favourite ones that I was going to put up there. It's <laughs> the trouble about going last in this kind of circle. <laughs> All right, what about you, Tyson? Uh, honestly, most of the people I watch are, are in the chat, so um, I will I will throw one out there though. Um, I don't know the guy. Uh, I literally just saw one of his videos the other day and I've, I've watched all of them, I think. Um, not even sure where he is. I, I believe that he is Australian, but I believe it's uh, Verana, Verana Bay yeah. On, yeah. on YouTube. Bro, that dude has got some good stuff going on and he's got some great videos and, and I, he looks like he looks like he's been making videos for a while, but um, his collection is nice. He's got some good ideas. Um, like, like his, his roach breeding setup is um amazing and quite disgusting but um <laughs> he is doing well man so i'll check him out i'll check him out like salt bay yeah like b-a-e underscore or something he doesn't have a huge amount of videos but they're really good I'm uh, just getting weird Japanese influences, so I might get the, the channel link of you. <laughs> yeah, I'll send you the link. Um, Careful what you search for there. Yeah, this is my yeah, work computer too, so. <laughs> That's the one. Cooper's getting up for everyone. That's the guy. Oh, there we go. Oh, all right, cool. Yeah, he's got some good DIY oh, videos and stuff. There as well. Um, is. Surfer, Surfer Design. Yeah, yeah, oh, yeah. And yeah definitely. A, and there's another one, um, something to do with ants. Um, oh, Ants Canada. 
Yeah, that guy. Yeah, not, yeah. Not so much reptile side of it, but he's like bioactive enclosures and stuff are insane. Like, yeah. Both him and yeah, Serpa, like they're for inspiration on live planted tanks and stuff. They're they're great. So. Yeah. Um, you look at awesome Troy stuff. Goldberg and his raining enclosure and stuff. <laughs> you guys are all stealing my ones. I should have more on the fly. No, should have like, before. <laughs> yeah. I'll throw someone else out there as well, and he's uh, you know, he can be a polarizing guy. People have uh, your opinions on him, but old uh, Ricky Mack, uh, that yeah. dude. Oh is yeah. He's yeah. Gonna say what, Ricky. Mate, you can say what you want about the guy, but his ability to find and catch things is undeniable. Well, I was just glad that Scott's not in the chat when you brought him up. Yeah, look, I, 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 I understand. But, uh, yeah, that, you know, his, um, some of the things he's been able to find. There was one video where he's like, there's a Parenti running away, and then in the next shot, he's got it in his hands. Like, yeah. It's just he's sprinted over rocks. And, you know, you watch that other video of, um, is it Andrew Buchels? And he yep. go, puts a GoPro on himself and chases one down and catches it to show that he can do it barehanded. And then you, know, you just watch Ricky's video and it's like, there's a parenti running in the distance across these rocks and then the next shot, he's got it. So it's it's mad. Just running barefoot through spinifex. No worries. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's only the first he's, time he's that one that actually done. That's good. <laughs> he, I he fell into have a couple of videos um, in around uh sort of south coast around berry and things like that so that was pretty cool to see because yeah he he actually did have videos that were could be literally in my backyard so yeah that was cool to see yeah uh the way he handles that red belly though is a bit uh i don't know i don't know how to yeah but i really (laughs) i think i think think, you know like you know i don't i don't want to I don't want to say his name in vain, but I think if you looked at the outtakes of Steve Irwin, you'd see a lot of the same stuff. Yeah, true. That is true. Yeah. It's edited out. Whereas nowadays yeah. that stuff's left in because it gets views. I really yeah. like, yeah. I don't see much difference. Yeah. What about you, Jace? Have you thought of yours yet? <laughs> Pretty much everything I said has been said already. <laughs> um, yeah. <clears throat> I know, I enjoy yours, Luke. Obviously, you, they make my toilet break go a little bit longer than it should do usually, <laughs> and obviously <laughs> Coops as well. Um, but yeah, I do enjoy Ricky's as well. He's herping and, yeah. and this and that, but also obviously the natural herb keeper as well. You can't really pass up on that one. So, and obviously animals at home as well. I've listened to a few of theirs now, and I'm um, yeah, I've got to catch up on a whole bunch. But yeah, I enjoy that one as well. So pretty much the same as everyone, really. <laughs> you know what, though? I'm seeing a trend here. Nobody said any of the NPR shows. Oh, that's an obvious, though, isn't it? They just go around the network. Yeah, yeah. So that's just part of the I think so, but I, yeah, but I thought that somebody would have brought it up at least to go, oh, yeah, this show's, you know, one of their favorites or whatever. A show that I've been really enjoying lately is Reptile Fight Club. Yes. Yeah. Actually, yeah. I actually haven't listened to it yet. Oh, the, the one that yeah, Scott, but... Scott and Justin Jewellanders won, that was awesome. They were about to punch each other through yep. the phone by the sounds of yep. pretty much. They <laughs> that were was both really home, good. But... <laughs> that made that me want to buy the new Borg more than anything, I reckon. Yeah. 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 No, I, I completely forgot about that show. one, Luke, actually, now you said that. Oh, well, there completely you go. forgot about that. 
I posed the topic to um, to Justin of anthropomorphism in in reptile keeping, and he said that's fantastic. That's a great topic. You need to come on and debate it. It's like, well, okay, yeah, okay. Who am I going to debate that with? <laughs> well, let's hope you win the coin toss then. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah Just, that's right. Justin's got that rig, doesn't he? <laughs> that sounds <laughs> like it. <laughs> Poor Chuck. Um, yeah, something that I wanted to also throw out there of a guy that I actually really enjoy watching, and I have watched him for a long time. And again, he's one of those guys that's got a lot of followers, but in the same time, I really respect what he does. Is Camp Cannon? Oh, of course, yeah, oh, yeah, hundred percent. Yeah, yeah. I I just find the fact that you know he's kind of turned what he's loved into a, essentially a day job. Um, yeah. But in the same time, like, who wouldn't want to be living in South Florida with a whole backyard full of tortoises? Like that's freaking awesome. Yeah. And the, the love he has for his animals too. Like one video in particular that stands out is when he uh, he had a cold snap or something, and one of his monitors was basically on the brink of death. It was like frozen. Yeah. And he just sat by its side with just heat packs and everything. Yeah. Slinky. Back to <laughs> life, and it was perfectly fine. But the sheer like sadness in his eyes and just worried, like you could tell that. This guy just loves his reptiles. Like, yeah. Radio. Um, something that I was actually going to say and completely forgot about as a, a content creator is the new um, Josh and Greenies uh, videos. Those guys have just kind of started kicking off their YouTube channel, and yeah, Damien's just definitely. brought it up in the chat and completely jogged mm -hmm. my memory. Um, yeah. Those guys are going to be off to a flying start with all sorts of reptile content as well as other sort of wildlife content as well. Uh, so definitely worth a follow with, uh, with those guys. I was yeah, going to say, one right. I just thought of... Oh, sorry. You go. Oh, I was just going to say, Kenan, Kenan Harkin, he was at the Penrith Reptile Expo when Brian Cusco and um, Dave Kaufman were there. Yep. And I hadn't even come across his channel at that stage. I've sort of become a fan of it since and I've I really wish I'd gone and had a talk to him when I was there, but yeah, his channel's really good. Yeah, Dave Coffey. Yeah, yeah, I nerded out hard at that expo. I made sure to wear my Camp Cannon shirt, and I think I was the only one there with them. So I wanted to kind of single him out a little bit and see if I could get a fifteen-minute conversation with him. And yeah, he took the time of day to to talk to heap of, heaps of people there. Like, man, I, mm. I saw uh, photos from. Uh, Kurt Lamott, who's a, a good monitor breeder. Um, and he's like, man, Cannon was just playing with my kids for half the day, you know, like he just didn't care. He was just having fun with everybody yeah. and enjoying the yeah. day. And he's just a real humble guy. And, you know, that, that was the biggest thing that kind of drove home to me is like at the end of the day, regardless of what sort of following you have or any sort of that kind of bullshit, he's just a reptile keeper that loves what he does. Yep. Yeah. Was that yeah. at the... Penrith Expo, the last one before. COVID. No, the one before. I think it was the 2019. Yeah. Uh, 2020. 2020. 2020, just yeah. before yeah. COVID. Yeah. Yeah. It was like yeah, a yeah, week, yeah. week before COVID. Yeah. 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 yeah, yeah. <laughs> the expo there, where everyone yeah, remembers the Calubra table. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, one of them's about there. <laughs> that was the Sorry, best table. Sorry, catch you off there, Cam. It was just like <laughs> no. for all the expos for the past. I reckon what five years? That's the most memorable table where Bill decided to send, sell all his colubrids, and all of Sydney yeah. was flocking to buy them. <laughs> I kicked myself one, that didn't I didn't buy. Yeah, I've got one. I it kicked myself that I didn't buy more. Like, literally every day, <laughs> I kicked myself. That's where you got your. 
That's when you got yeah. your um, tree snake, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, off Phil. Yeah, I wish I got Honestly, one of those I blue kicked trees. Myself. Yeah, my mate got the other one. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, my, my, mine's not a true, true blue phase. Um, yeah. But, but honestly, I, it still I, looks I good. Prefer. Yeah, yeah, I, I love it. I love it, and I've got two now, so that's even better. They're such a such an unreal looking snake. Like, oh, they're so good. Go over to my mate's place, and you know, get it out there. It's just like they they're unreal. They just hold. They're they're almost not yeah. real. <laughs> yeah, the Australian probably needs a colubrid resurgence. Just saying, everyone. Yeah, the um. There's, there's certain animals, especially if you're an enclosure builder and, and, you know, like I know a few of you are starting to build enclosures and have built enclosures before, but certain animals I find like, um, I don't, I don't know, I don't, like, I don't know a better term, but like say, let's say muse, they really like, you watch them and they really make me want to do better, you know, do more. And, and the they murders, do seem very and, interactive. Yeah, and the common tree snake, I just, I just, my mind just is constantly going at different things that can be done and different, different things that you can, you can do and provide and different behaviors that you can get out of them. And, um, yeah, they're, they're out of, I think about everything I keep there, the two, the murdens and the common tree snake, they're just, I don't know, they're in a league of their own, I think, in terms of like what you can actually provide for an enclosure because they both, essentially, they both climb trees and they both swim. Um, so you almost like you know if i made the common tree snake enclosure larger i could put doc in there and i could put the common tree snake straight into doc's enclosure and 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 he'd be fine as well you know and i find that enclosures that have that water land uh balance the, the above and below and um and even the up high is is the most most interesting uh for me and and what lets you lets you sort of bring out like you gotta you gotta use all your tricks you know you've got to make that that transition seamless and and make the two two areas work you know you can't um you know like how many turtle tanks do you see where the land area is is just like a tiny platform and the water is massive or or you know and how many murdens enclosures do you see where the land is massive and the water area is like so small like i think that if you're going to keep a murdens in a, in a basic tank you need to keep it like a turtle rather than than like anything else you know if you had to choose if you're going to have yeah. bare bones and you had to choose you would keep a murdens like a turtle you know, not the other, not the other way around. Um, not that I'm suggesting you do that, but I'm just saying when you boil it down. Um, so yeah. yeah. Tyson, I really, really, really want you to get keelbacks one day because I think you would oh, do please, justice for them. <laughs> I think please. you would do justice. Yeah. <laughs> please, can we start a petition, man? I'm, I've, I've, I've got it. I've got the enclosure in my head already. Please, if you know someone that's got keelbacks and is willing to sell them, I would like them. <laughs> Yep, definitely. I bloody love keelbacks. So I love seeing yeah. those in Queensland when I was up there. You know, everywhere, any dam, any dam at all, mm. you're bound to find like five five of them in there. Yeah. Cool snakes. I'm yet to meet one, unfortunately. <laughs> Have we gone around the whole circle yet? I think so. Yeah. All right, well, uh, I just want to add one final one. Just yeah, uh, Jason reminded me when he mentioned um, animals at home. Uh, JTB reptiles is the other one that's sort of part of, I guess, that trifecta. Uh, so reptiles and research, JTB reptiles and animals at home kind of all play off each other. And I guess um, Bryce Broom's channel is also in there too. He does some really cool stuff with African venomous stuff. But um, the JTB, he's a young British bloke. I can't remember his name. But it's all really like 
it's similar vein to the other two channels where it's quite well researched. He, he's got a good punch and he tackles a lot of common myths. And, you know, he really addresses things like what is appropriate heating, why full spectrum lighting is good, all that sort of stuff, you know. There's heaps yeah. of channels that do it, but I just like his presentation and his attitude. I think it's a really good way of tackling it. So just a shout out for that if people are looking for more content to absorb. Yeah. I'll have to get into that one as well by the sounds of it. <laughs> I'm going to be just watching everything all over the Chrissy break. So, guys, I, I, I know most of us are into books, probably not all of us, but at the same time, I just wanted to see, like, does anybody have kind of like any favorite book that they've really enjoyed this year? It doesn't have to be from this year, but just like a book that they've really gotten stuck into. Yeah, I'm going to plug this one because I'm wearing the shirt as well. Nice. Uh, this is fantastic. Yeah, this is by the uh, AHS, the Australian Herpetological yeah. Society. And if you're not a member and you keep reptiles in Australia, you should be a member and you should have this book. Um, oh, it's fantastic. If you turn to page 190, I think, there's a really nice picture of a Mertens. Um, this is fantastic. Uh, New Zealand geckos in here. Uh, it's, it's, or is it a special one? <laughs> uh, it's, not my, it's not my Mertens. <laughs> no? Uh, one, one, day, one day we'll get her in a book, I think, but, but not yet. But um, yeah, you should go ahead and get this book. It's amazing, awesome photos, and they're all from they're all from like uh, reptile photographers that you, that you know, you know, and you see on these podcasts and yeah. and uh, yeah, so definitely that one and uh, join the AHS. Definitely. I need to. I, I was going to say just as a, I just need to do it. A plug yeah, for the man. AHS side of things. Uh, the next uh, the sequel is coming out soonish. So yeah, man. It's nice. um, they're working on it and it's underway, so get excited for round two. Is that that's the is it reptiles in the city? Yeah, so it'll yeah. be an early so one. You would have seen in, in that in this book actually. There's a and and I think Scott uh, I posted the other day. He's got an amazing photo of a brown tree snake um, mm. in front of some, like I think it's the bridge in in Brisbane. It's like some some beautiful lights. It's a it's an epic photo and. Um, yeah, it's it's yeah, it's amazing. You should definitely go check out his page and and, and see that. I was say that book's also a bit of a collector's item now too, because it's not. I don't think it's getting another print round. So what's there is there. So I'm sure like a uh, Rick Shine's uh, lizard book or the the lizard cover snake book, it'll become hot hot price for everyone. <laughs> yeah. Oh, well, I know what I got to do after this podcast. So I just need to go sign up and start buying some merchant books. Yeah, support the AHS definitely. Mate, I'll pay you membership. <laughs> no, that's all good. <laughs> but yeah, thank you for the offer. I just need to do it. I've been meaning to for probably about three years now, and yeah, it's one of those things that I just keep saying I'll do, and it just slips my mind. So, anybody else has got a book? I think we just should uh, shout out Scott. I know he's not here. Yeah, he seems to have uh, quite the array of books on the market. So. I don't have all of his books to show everyone, but there's a couple right there. A couple Pretty of good sure ones. I've got that one with the death adder on it, to be honest. You're only yeah. missing two. Probably the one on the there. books that I hate. Yeah, go on, Chase. Go pull out 16 of them. Oh, I, I, like, I'm not 16. I've got a few of them. <laughs> Jace has already missed half the first part of the podcast, so we may as well lose him again for another 10 minutes while we look at 
Honestly, I'm sure you guys have seen this ridiculous bookcase behind Jason, but there's that many doubles up. So I just love taking the piss out of him. I've seen uh... photos of it. <laughs> yeah. Like some books he's just got like six copies of or whatever. It's always good just to kind of take it out of him. What about you, Darren? Have you got a favorite book that you've enjoyed this year? Oh, look, I, I had a great book collection when I when I got out of the reptile hobby. I, ha- I hung on to them for probably 18 months, two years, and I just I, I sold them all, and I so regret it. I had all the staples, the Knowles and Wilsons, all the Coggers, a lot of which were signed. I had Rick Shine's books that were signed. Um, yeah, but after listening to the NPR episode with Dr Richard Ross, I went and tracked down another copy of Reproductive Husbandry of Pythons and Boas because I, I mean, I've read that book back to front. I don't know how many times. Um, so yeah, that was cool getting that in the mail and flicking through that and reading that again. Um, but yeah, not much of a, a book collection nowadays. You know, you know, one that I have. It's not in my. Um, it's not from this year. But if you're a monitor keeper and you don't have. Um, like well, call us a shameless quote, but you know the um, the keeping monitors in captivity with the green yeah. tree monitor on front. Like if yeah. you keep monitors and you have that book, like it, it was such a it was like the thrill of the chase trying to get that book. Yeah, that's the one. You know they, yeah. they cost a fortune and they're hard to come by. And if you keep monitors and you have one, it, it feels pretty good. Oh yeah, I know some the... of those extra copies yeah. i've told my uh like I, I, don't, I don't have the biggest book collection but i've i've got some i've got some good books and i i tell my partner you know like if i die don't throw those books away yeah i was surprised when i sold mine how much money i got for them and i, and I probably still undersold them but yeah anyway. yeah i mean that monitor is one you can get for like a thousand dollars if you order it from europe you know, like you can get it cheaper, but people are paying that amount. It's it's mental. Yeah. Oh, Jason, you're already been heckled from the comments side here from Ollie. <laughs> Shoot me a message, Ollie. Yeah, Ollie's going through a big book phase too, so believe yes. me, he'll buy it. <laughs> We've been chatting quite a bit about books. <laughs> quite a bit. Look, look what you started. <laughs> yeah. What about you, Cooper? Have you got a favourite book of the year? Uh, well, I've got the uh, Complete Lizard Guide by Danny Brown. That's something like that has all of them in there. And um, yep. that's something I always, you know, refer back to. But uh, something else I got lended earlier in the year uh, for a little bit from a friend was the, um, I think it's called Contributions to Taliqua and Cyclodomorphus. Um, it's one that's not in print anymore. It's about $600 or more now. And... Um, yeah, just the detail in that book was pretty interesting. I was quite surprised and, yeah, it was a good read. And then also during lockdown, I was fortunate enough to get a few of these uh, quite a while ago from work, Nice, if you really count them as a book. But, um, yeah, just going through all these and some of the observational data and things that have trickled through those, is, yeah, it's a pretty interesting read. So, yeah, basically those really. Yeah. Oh, that's always good. Um, Mish. I, uh, so I have really not, I had a book phase and I probably fell out of that book phase when I didn't have enough storage space for my books. <laughs> I filled <laughs> up the, uh, yeah, exactly. I, uh, I look, I still look at that bookshelf now and go, I could probably fit a tank there, but I'm not going to. <laughs> um, so I haven't bought books in a while. Also, I became, I, 
I'm going to phrase this. You guys are much more grown up than me, but I grew up and was being a lot less irresponsible with my money. So I wasn't <laughs> discretionarily spending on books as much. I uh, had rent to pay and things like that. So my book money disappeared. Um, anyway, I did recently, though, buy Jeff Coombs' book, Working with Snakes. Um, I think that's a really, really good book. Um, it's You can buy it from his website if anyone's interested, but um, he's sort of authority he's been working with venomous snakes i did an interview with him for the ahs which also really solidified how much or how impressed i was with the content um about the book but um yeah he just the book itself has so many interesting points it has a big section on like all the evidence for translocations and why snake translocations might not be that great a thing and i'm sure you've probably heard on a lot of podcasts people particularly scott scott's a big talker about um translocations and how a lot of the evidence says like you know snake removal isn't great yeah um but yeah this book does a nice job of sort of hammering it in it has like some more um philosophical points as well and it's got a lot of practical comments about working with snakes obviously not going to teach you how to handle a lapid from a book but it's a really really good um i guess starting point for building your ideas and it's got you know contributions from a lot of reputable people um, and obviously Jeff himself is quite knowledgeable on it and has quite a lot of experience. Um, so I give that. And the other one actually just on Coops, lifting up the general herpetology there, I actually read a, first time I've read it, a Rick Shine paper called, I think it's something along the lines of evolution of an evolutionary hypothesis. Um, it was from like, I don't know, 20 years ago, but he sort of recounts um, all the research that's been going into the evolution of live birth in reptiles. Again, because I'm working on that at the moment. Um, but it's this beautiful manuscript that you could not publish in today's scientific journals because it just is this long story, like in a great way. It's a really good read about all the people that contributed. And, you know, this person did this first and took us a, a step closer in 1890 or something to figuring it out. And it's just, it was a really, really cool read. You can probably find it somewhere online if you look around where it's free. But yeah, evolution of an evolutionary hypothesis. Um, so it's really cool. It sort of shows you all the contributions up to whenever this was published, I think, yeah, 10, 15 years ago to what scientists were working on about how reptiles or why reptiles evolved to have live babies versus eggs. So really cool. So yeah, that's my two. Good stuff. Hey, Cam, have you got any books that you've added into your collection or you started getting into them at all? No. Like I said before, I think the only one I've got that that one from Scott, that Snakes of Australia one. Yeah. Um, never really got into a book. Um, I've been, yeah, more just an, an online reader, I suppose. Um, and yeah, like like Mitch said, he looks at his bookcase and wants to put enclosures there and I look at my wife's bookcase that she's got in the lounge room and I think the same thing. So <laughs> Be careful what you up. say, mate. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, I'd I'd much prefer to have the the animal and learn from the animal and and talk to people face to face. I, I seem to learn better doing that than than reading stuff. So No, fair enough. What about you, Jason? Me, here I'm... we go <laughs> <laughs> I, you get yeah, one or two max this year. one or two i'll, I'll, I'll throw two. scott's out there i do like the ones that scott's bought out 
You're like a kid with his new Pokemon cards. I know. Like, (laughs) but in all honesty, I think I actually enjoyed this one quite a lot. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that that was a good one. I didn't get that. Yeah, I I actually really enjoyed that. That's probably yeah. I mean, Scott's like Scott's a good uh, like field guide style book, but for a keeping series this year, this was probably one of my favorite ones. I reckon. I'd say. But um, yeah, I've, there's been numerous books come into this room this year, so there's lots of favourites. But there's still a few I haven't read yet. I've got actually quite a long list that I've still got to read. The Snake, um, I think it was a Swan book, the Murray Darling Basin one. I've still got to read that one. Too, oh, yeah. so that, that's still on the list as well. So, but um, and obviously Coggers, you can't go wrong with Coggers as well. That's the other thing I think. So. It is fun looking through a Cogger's like different editions and seeing how the taxonomy of Australian reptiles has changed. And, you know, it is. I mean, even you compare it to the most recent Wilson Swan, and it's like, you know, everything is just getting finer and finer. Or some things are getting lumped. That's right. Yeah. Children's and Stimpsons. (laughs) And you can just see it it, it starts thinner and it gets thicker and thicker and thicker as they go along in the line. (laughs) So I've, I've only seen the one like, the, the children and Simpsons like merge like and that that's confusing me just now let alone the amount of changes that you know some people like you Darren that have you guys would have seen heaps of it happen over the years and yep yep and even to this day a, a Simpsons python to me is still a Simpsons python uh, yeah I'll, absolutely <laughs> I'll always refer to it as one <laughs> I think I think most people will mate yeah yeah but what about you, Luke? Just, yeah, just oh. sort of getting that. I mean, New South Wales licensing lists them as Lyasis. Lyasis. Yeah. Yeah. They're holding on tight. Yeah. <laughs> Someone was telling me that uh, I think it's SA still has um, uh, Angleheads as Gonocephalus or something, or Pink yeah. Tongues as um, uh, Hemispheridon as well. <laughs> it's like, oh, that's pretty old. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I suppose every every department's got its faults, right? Yep. All right, so I've got a couple of favourites here. I'm going to do two, just because I'm greedy. Ooh, that one. Oh, yeah. One. Yeah. Gunther yep. Schmieder, his, uh, his hardcover monitor book. That one, if you ever want, like, habitat shots of, like, where these things actually come from, it's just absolutely mind-blowing. Like, his photography and it's just out of this world, being able to see some of these awesome things. You can tell that I've probably over- opened this um, this page up a little bit too much, but you know, worn it out, mate. <laughs> yeah, this is not the... just photographs either. I don't know if you may know that he's very good at building enclosures. He uh, finished yeah. off all the. If you've been to Crocosaurus Cove and you've been in the reptile yep. exhibit there, yeah, uh, he he finished off most of those enclosures for Gavin when he was getting wow. it going. There you go. Yeah, wow. Okay. Well, yeah, that's cool. That, that's a place that I reckon we have to stop in, Jace, if we go up that way. Yeah, um, for sure. Definitely. I, I've already seen it, but yeah, I definitely think it's worth another look or, you know, definitely you seeing it as well and yeah. being able to check it out. Um, definitely. <clears throat> oh, that's crazy. I didn't know Gunther did that. Yeah, somebody yeah. else was doing them and they pulled out or he couldn't get them back and, and yep. uh, he, yeah, he called in a favour and he came up for a few weeks and stayed there and finished them. Yeah. I, I haven't heard lately, but I hope Gunther's doing a little bit better than what he has been lately. He um, had an unfortunate stroke, I believe, if I'm not, not mistaken. But, um, yeah, hopefully he's on the mend. 
Yeah. Uh, the other book that I actually got, Eric actually put me onto this one. So this is Wild Habitats, um, uh, Natural History of Australian Ecosystems, and it's by Alan Fox and Steve Parrish. Um, but this this book in particular is really cool just to be able to see Australian landscapes like from all over the continent as well. So that book, if you ever want to kind of just have a look at like, you know, ecosystems, as it says, around Australia, that book is a gold mine. Um, very cool to see some natural habitats in that one. But yeah, um, does anybody else want to just throw another one out there if you do have one? I've got heaps, but anyway. <laughs> <laughs> Fair enough. All right, we'll jump on to these last couple of questions before we wrap the show up. Uh, but I just quickly want to go around the circle and see um, what uh, favourite personal enclosure build does everyone have from the year? Like surely we've all done a few or or in the works of a few. Um, so why don't we start off with you, Cam? Um, yeah, I've done quite a few this year. <laughs> just just a handful. Stuff and, and for both friends of mine and that, but... Um, uh, I love I love my diamond python one purely because it's just like the centerpiece in my lounge room now. Like, um, and just seeing her in there is just unreal. Like, um, I think one of the more detailed and one of the most recent ones is probably either my Simpsons python um, or even a spotted python one that I did, which was my most recent video. But um. Yeah, I, I, I just, I've, I'm changing things up so much lately, and it's either it just seems to be always hitting the mark. Which I don't know how, I don't know why. It just, it just seems to be doing what I'm. I can't even say what I'm envisioning because I don't really envision what I'm doing. It just, it just happens. <laughs> but um, no, definitely. My diamond python has my own personal one, and then as for someone else that I've built, would probably be that that most recent spotted python. Um, and as for other people's builds, uh, your pygmy pygmy one, that was great. Thanks, mate. Like textures and stuff on that man, that was pretty good. Um, and I mean, you can't look past like Matt stuff, but to me, he's on a completely other level. Like. Him and um, sets the bar pretty high, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, they're, they're on another level, like each their own, everyone's doing their own thing. And, um, and like I've always said with building it, and like I talked with Shane uh, from Greenies, and you know, he, he's you know put me onto the pointing, and like, uh, you, you can show people what to do with it and what to use, but the the quality's different. Everyone's got their own way that they do it. It's just because you're helping someone and pushing them into that direction and guiding them doesn't mean you're necessarily giving your secrets away and things yeah. like that. It just becomes up to the person. Like you can put as little detail or as much detail as you want. So yeah, I think one really, of the things is watching it in a video is you don't really get a good grasp of how long it takes you can cut corners oh, yeah, and, you, and you can skip steps and you can do it in a shorter time yeah. but you get a different result and yeah, yeah you can't you can't get that across in a in a 15 minute video you know you have to do it and then see your own results and go right i'm going to do that differently next time and yeah 100 percent. and yeah i mean 
it's just so rewarding, though. It is re- it is very rewarding, especially making your own and putting your own animals into it, mm. and then seeing that on a day to day basis. Like it just it's so cool to see. Yeah, I'm just in the middle of doing two for the white-lip pythons and, you know, today I've been putting, I think I put two coats on. And when you've put two coats of tile pinting on a decent size enclosure, you've had a gut full. Oh, and yeah. I'll just I'll walk away from it and oh, I'll wait, I probably won't touch it again for another week, you know. It's the yeah. only way because otherwise you start, oh, I just want to get to the end, I want to get it done, I want to get it done, and that's when it slips. So, yeah. Yeah, definitely the most enjoying part of it is for me, the final coat of pointing and the paint. Yeah. Um, that's, that's pretty much the most rewarding. To be honest, watching the first coat go on really changes your mindset of how foam looks. Like, as you're carving it and stuff, you think it looks bad in a certain spot or it looks too rough or looks something. And, you know, you put that first coat on it and you start getting shading and shadows and things in, you didn't see before. Mm. And, yeah, you just got to, after you've done a few, you really get away from that mindset of the foam looks bad because once you start coating it, all your little imperfections, they turn into textures and little cracks and crevices and divots. Mm. And it, it's really cool to watch it come together and... Um, Especially seeing on a time lapse, like when you're sitting there looking at it yourself, and you're just constantly up and down with a paintbrush, just you know, it's just mind just numbing. And then you watch it on a time lapse, and it's just like, wow, it does actually look really good. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it's not something I would have even attempted if I hadn't have been watching you guys' videos. So, thanks for putting that out there, because yeah, I wouldn't have attempted that on my own. I wouldn't have known where to start. Totally agree. Well, that, that was my um, aim. That's why I started doing it because, yeah, like Luke, Luke had his um, his few background builds and Coop had his and that. And other than that, there wasn't a lot of guys in Australia that was doing it. So no. I just decided to share what I've learned. And just like you just said, Darren, that's that's exactly what I I went out to set out to do. So mm. and the more the merrier. We can all learn. Yeah, that's right. Everyone's got their own way of doing it. It all comes out different. Yep. Still looks 100%. good. 100%. What about you, Mitch? Uh, mine's not nearly as inspiring. I've, um, uh, as a lot of people know, I have ghouls, like ghouls monitors. Um, and I got my original mail, uh, for lack of a better term, as a rescue. He was in pretty bad conditions when I got him. Um, and... I wasn't prepared for him, but I, I got him and I, you know, bodged together an enclosure and I was always saying to myself, oh, I'm going to get him something bigger. I'm going to get him something bigger. I finally did. I got him a much bigger. He wasn't in a small enclosure, I should say that. I got him. He was in a decent one. But I finally got him into an aviary and it's made me very happy. Um, so, yeah, he's in a big two, two and a half, two and a half, I think 1.9 aviary. Uh, along with his lady friend and yeah that was the most fulfilling build i've done in a long time so it was very very you know reassuring and happy it's not amazing avery but it gives him plenty of space there's plenty of things for him to climb on and they're doing wonderful and it's really cool like i really like getting animals outside just because it 
it changes the dynamic, you know, not, probably in a better way for the health of the animal, obviously, like a lot of things just do better with that natural light, natural heat cycles, blah, blah, blah. Um, but it really makes him a, a different animal in many ways. Like they, he, in the tank, he'd be out all the time. Now, while well, now he's outside, it's very much a, a classic Goulds where it's going to be hot as hell and he'll just be sitting on the mesh roasting himself, you know. <laughs> Other than that, he's in a, a hide box until it gets really, really hot. So, yeah, it's cool. But that's that's my enclosure build. At the end of the day, too, he'd also be seeing the world in the actual light that he should be seeing it in. Oh, 100%. I mean, like him and the girl, so of the... and. Tabu, he's a Gouldi Gouldi and she's a Gouldi Flavorufus, Flavor, whatever, the other subspecies, but I don't really intend to. They lay eggs and I've had one baby that hatched out malformed, but they're not really something I'm trying to breed. Um, yeah, she's just coloured up phenomenally since going outside, like it's chalk and cheese. You see most cap captive Goulds look like trash. Um, and since they've gone out, it took them about two months and they just picked up and look stunning. So... Yeah, I've, I'm quite happy with it. So um, have you had any sort of like other favourite enclosures that you've seen from anybody else that's something that's been a bit more inspirational for you as well? Oh, shameless smoke up Coop's ass, that pygmy enclosure. <laughs> oh, I was like, yeah, people thanks, can man. do this in their home. Yeah, I was like, holy <laughs> shit. <laughs> um, but I will say, um, as Darren pointed out um everyone else's contributions is what motivated me first off so luke you building cam your your youtube and also natural herb keeper all three of those were when i i did a rough scale python background which is very evident as a first enclosure background like first attempt um but i felt really happy at completing that and it's because you three content creators and putting it out um and then coops is what really pushed me into the next round of being like oh i really need to up my game so I would say collectively, um, all of those. I would say if we're talking about like home designed enclosures as well, I built one for my Galliardus, um, which I really liked. So, you know, my little tweak with that was I used a lot of scoria as the bedding. Yep. So it was like a mix of scoria, um, red desert sand, which was actual red desert sand um, that I was able to get from the Strezlecki Desert uh, that came back from a, a scientific study back there using the dirt. Um, and then um, potting mix as well, like an organic potting mix. And even putting that um, potting mix into that sand, it does make it look that bit more like, not necessarily sand dune, because the sand dunes are sand, but it gives it that more aridy, scrubby look where it's got that bit of an organic matter to it, or more organic uh, matter to it. I did a similar thing with my Simpson one, it's, uh, the red URF one. Uh, yeah. It's a lot darker. Uh, I just mix that with Yuki malt small amount of uh, yuki malt and it just gave that real like yeah sort of bush sand yeah it changes it entirely yeah and i've got to give it to luke as well thanks for telling me the trick about um thinning out your red desert sand with white sand <laughs> yeah i love uh, that one too <laughs> that's, a, that's a good one i did a bit of a combo with way. that potting mix and um the crushed granite for my i've got an indoor bit of dragon yes. bit so it, it made that go the extra mile instead of the $50 bag of sand and needing three of them. <laughs> I love that crushed granite too because it just gives it that like actual texture that you find around a lot of those like rocky outcrops and stuff like that. Mm. 
You talk about, um, you know, your, your first enclosure build. Uh, even I remember when Matt Somerville was on, he was saying that he's still got some of his original backgrounds that he made and he thinks they're absolute crap. So, you know. Yeah, you, I remember, you, yeah. Yeah, you've got to start somewhere. And the more the more you do, the, the better they get. You know? Yeah, that's absolutely. Yeah. Literally behind the camera here that's been sitting up on top of crates for years, that, or a year now, was one of my first ones and I'd fringe at it. <laughs> mm. Same thing. So. The, the trick to anything that you do with enclosures is, is the reps. You just need to get your reps up. Don't expect the yeah. first thing you do to be any good. And yeah. when you when you you know you just do it again, and you, you don't even need like a lot of people. I think get new animals to try new things. Just keep like I think when I first started out, my my first bearded dragon had four or five enclosures. Every every three to four months, I'd build a new one. I'd build one and go, oh, that's mm. good, that's shit. I'll redo it and fix things. And then you realize, oh, this is yep. good, that's shit. You do it again. Um, yeah. Just reps. And you get you to the point do it over you... and over and over again. Yeah. And you get to the point where you like the enclosure as much as the animal. They just go hand in hand. Yeah, you know? 100%. Yeah. 100%. You're right there, Darren. There's, a, there's like a sweet point and you're like, this yep. is good. And then yep. maybe 12 months down the line, you're like, okay, now we need to go. You know, like it's time to. Yeah. Yeah. Tweak it. But you're right. Yeah. Exactly. So I use the experience of uh, uh, building for like close friends that were, you know, not just close, you know, in a relationship sort of sense, but more just literally down the road. Yeah. <laughs> I was just getting their enclosures and stuck in backgrounds in them and just practicing on that sort of stuff because mm. at the time I only had like one or two tanks. So I did yeah, mine I mean... and I just sort of outsourced and it just blew up. So yeah. Yeah, for sure. Oh, I can see why they're amazing. Well, what about you, Tyson? Have you got something favourite that you've put together this year? Ooh. <laughs> um, look, I've been doing a lot of stuff this year. Uh, a lot of stuff happening behind the scenes. Um, there's been a lot of... I've actually got pretty much... Most things have new enclosures in here. Um, I've sort of been hiding them a little bit. Um, still working out a few kinks. Uh, I know Coop has seen one of the first first prototypes, um, which was yep. probably about 95% of the way there. Um, I'd have to say my olive python enclosures, uh, they are eight, eight foot by two by three. It's a double stack. Um, there's a few things going on in there that I, that I haven't shown, which I'm quite, quite proud of that, it, that it's worked. Um, but I'd have to say a highlight for me is that uh, I, I actually got a pair of um, uh, Varanus cordoliniatus uh, this year off a friend of mine. And he had them in an enclosure where there was lots of hides and, and he never saw them. And um, when when I got them, basically, I, I realized that the female had uh, MB, uh, MBD um, and and he, he basically hadn't noticed. And, and as I, I got it here, um, I was watching her and she was struggling to to crawl around um, and I had it in like a temporary enclosure just watching what she could do and she was really struggling to to climb it. I actually think that the, 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 the monitor originally came from Mitch and it's actually in an enclosure that I got from Jason. So it's got a cork bar <laughs> background and the male's flying all over the place but the female just couldn't, couldn't climb a vertical surface, sort of moves around like a bit of a snake. And I was watching and I was thinking, okay, like, the male, we got to do something about this female. So I was watching her for a long time, watching what she could and couldn't do. And I found that they just hid all the time. So 
Um, Coop, that, that little two foot enclosure that, that you've seen, I've, yep. uh, I've actually put the, the pair into now. And now the, the, I've, I've, I've basically designed it so that she's always going to get a little bit of UV on her. And now she, she can climb the background. She's still a bit floppy in the legs, but she can climb vertically up the background. She can, she chases down crickets. She's actually far more active than the male. Um, she's never going to be like perfect, but she can like her, live her life now. And, and essentially I, I just made the enclosure really simple. Um, just dialed it way back. It looks really good. Um, I'll, I'll, I'll show it off soon. Um, but it, uh, yeah, it looks really good. Really, really simple. Um, made it really not complicated for her. So she'd always get UV and I'm, I'm quite proud of that. I'm quite proud that she's really, uh, really bounced back. So, and that's the joy of it really. Like that's, that's the, when you can design an enclosure around the needs of, of the animal, um, not only, not only to see its natural behaviors, but also to, to fix a problem that it has, you know, yeah. an animal, just cause it's a bit limp. You can, you can always work around it. Yeah. Well, sometimes simple is best, right? And, you know, if, if the animal does have that many hiding spaces and it just wants to be shy, then, you know, that's obviously been detrimental to the animal's health. Exactly. Yeah. 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 And other, other people's enclosures, um, like, again, like, I know I know everyone goes on about Somerville's uh, own pally enclosure, and, yeah, that's nice, but his green tree python enclosure and the ones that he has outdoors, like, that indoor one, like, you can look at it and you would think that's in the wild. Like, it doesn't look yeah, like it's, 100%. Out, it's in a box. And that thing, I'm pretty sure that's only a four by two by four. Yeah. Enormous. Enormous. I don't know. I don't know if it's just. It's got those staggered vertical branches. Yeah. It It looks massive. Like when you see a photo of it, it looks massive. You you think that the snake's Mm. like like really small and and the the enclosure's massive. But yeah, that's really cool. And I think this year he's um, put a lot of his green trees outside. Um, into similar enclosures to what um, uh, Aaron Hopper Brass is greener with the, with the green tree monitors and his his uh, GTPs outside and uh, I mean that's just the way to go like you know keeping animals outside like I, it's terrifying like I don't know I know I know um, I think Luke in the last podcast you were saying you're going to move some of your your geckos outside and mm. uh, you know I'm on the coast now and I've got I've got the angle heads that I've just built uh, in the process of building a a four by two by six four and i'm just looking at them and thinking look I'm, I'm trying to give them the biggest enclosure i can but why don't i just put them outside you know they live down the road um like do i take the plunge um and, right. I, and I feel like i should but it's just a little i don't know it's like, you got to become a weatherman um, it is nerve-wracking throwing stuff yeah outside. like it, it's that yeah, loss of control i think yeah you know yeah. Like, the there's a little bit of a yeah there's a little bit of a god complex you get when you keep reptiles i think and then the reptile room and, and it's like oh i just that relinquishing the control and it's like they that's where they're from that's what they're you know as soon as you put them outside like they you watch other people's animals and you talk about your your sand mine, your your gold eye like they just get all their natural behaviors back and natural colors and it's like it's the right thing to do um but it's oh it's just oof, maybe <laughs> <laughs> Especially if they've been, if the animal's been multi-generation bred and kept indoors, um, you know, there's going to be a period of adjustment, obviously, like, you know, you got to watch monitors so they don't stay outside and on a cold night and they know where their hide is and all that sort of stuff. Yeah. There's a bit of, bit of nursing goes along with it. <laughs> yeah. 100% monitors is a big one where people just 
you know, come out on a cold night or morning after a cold night and they haven't made it back into an insulated hive yep. and they're gone. Mm-hmm. Well, that, that was what happened to Janet. I think he's... Mm. Um, it was Asian his, water uh, monitor, the, yeah. The door closed mm. or something, wasn't it, overnight? Something like that. And it, it actually yeah. got locked out of a tide box. So yeah. that's, that's what happened there. So definitely a lot of dangers with keeping them outdoors, but there's a lot of yeah. positives behind it as well, so... I think the, the biggest thing in keeping outdoors is being able to manage extremes. So extremes of heat, yeah. cold, everything like that. As long as you can set up the enclosure in a way that it prevents that or have a plan in place for every time something like that happens, they can usually manage with everything in between, you know, unless there's something super sensitive, they can usually handle it. But it's when they just get over that tipping point where uh, things really start to go wrong. And it can happen like flooding that you had. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, like flood your backyard, yeah. Mm. I was even just like, going oh, to say, like, even like, like you said, Angleheads live close to you and stuff like that. But with these, you know, really hot days we've been having like this week and stuff like that, if you have them in the wrong part of your yard, if it's getting that afternoon sun or lava, they're just going to cook alive in there and yeah, exactly. drop like flies, you know. So, yeah, it's all about yeah. just managing things like that. Yeah. Thank God for our uh, grid connect on these days, eh? Like, I've been on my off at work. Yeah, God so bloody good. I haven't quite nerded out and got it all set up. I've got the temp sensor in the room so I can see what it is. And I've got sensor push uh, temp sensors in a lot of the enclosures, but um, I haven't quite got it so that they talk to each other and turn it off automatically. But just just being able to just click all the heat lights off is, is just yeah. so is mm. so good. Um, yeah, it's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, we're not going to bring up our graduates. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man, the other yeah, day, all my power shot off at 8.30 at the morning. They got about an hour of light that day. But, you know, at the end of the day, if my animals are alive when I come home, well, that's the main thing. You know, what, what's so funny is that when I was a, a electrical apprentice, like we're talking, I must have been like 19. So is that like I'm 33, so 14 years or whatever. Um, I remember thinking like, oh, wouldn't it be great to have like a system that it's all integrated and it turns this on and it's got a thermostat and it's got all of this. And I, I rigged together like a, like all the timers on a, on a power board and did all these little, like made a little box for a thermostat and all this sort of stuff. And, um, you know, you, you, you did it and it kind of worked, kind of did it. It was a bit janky and, and you sort of forget about it. And, and this is before like Instagram even existed. This is before, um, Mate, I don't even, I think Bluetooth might have just come out. Like, I, I like there was no such thing as apps. Like, this is iPhone, iPhone 1. Um, I don't even think I was on Facebook yet, you know. And then now everything's just, like, Wi-Fi controlled via the, the, the internet. And it's just, it's just mad. Like, you know, everything's set up automatically, drawing weather patterns from the local area or wherever they are, and it'll change the, the lining in your room. It's, it's, it's nuts. It's nuts where things have got, you know. Yep. And it's all just at the flick of a switch. Yeah. Yep. Hey. <laughs> <laughs> You've got to show it. Just go. What the do, 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 fuck do. is happening? <laughs> is that lightning? I can do that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, it, it is a crazy system to be able to have on there. And um, something that I actually really like that I think you pointed out, Tyson, if I'm not mistaken, a little while ago, is the fact that. Um, an idea to kind of put out there to people is the fact that maybe you don't need to run your lights 
every day of the week. Maybe it's good yep. to have like one day of the week where you actually don't have heat, don't have sun or, you know, as yep. much light or something like that and just kind mm. of run it as a bit of a different cycle. Not only to save a little bit of power, but also just to kind of stimulate the animals to kind of go, oh, today's a bit cloudy or whatever, you know, maybe I'm not coming out of bed or whatever like that, you know, because obviously the sun's not up every day or not to the extreme right. that it is. So oh, that's something that I'm definitely going to put into play. Yeah. Uh, when I'm, I'm not going to, I'm not going to, this spring. The sun hasn't been out that much. <laughs> yeah, true, true. Yeah. I'm not going to claim that idea. I have a feeling, uh, I have a feeling that that actually came from, I have a feeling that the idea actually came from Bryce Broom with one of his talks with Dylan Perrin on Animals at Home. And I, 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 I think I heard it and then I was like, I'm going to float this idea to you guys. Like, I just thought yeah. that's a great, great concept. Um, Something I'm actually like, you know, like I, I, I work myself to death at the moment. I've got, I've got like 15 days off. There's so much stuff that I'm going to sort of tweak and hopefully get set up with the grid connect over this, this little period of time off, but it's a fantastic system. Yeah, yeah. definitely. All right. What about you, Coop? Have you got a favorite enclosure that you've nailed down this year and, and a favorite enclosure from somebody else? Um, well, Pretty obvious everyone's mentioned it a couple of times now so the, uh, <laughs> the the pygmy python one's been pretty cool um even this morning like it's just so cool to see all the behaviors of the animal so i fed her uh, two three two days ago maybe and this morning i came out just for work and i saw her and she's just sitting on a little a different rock than she normally sits so i'm like oh how cool is that <laughs> you know just seeing her move around and do different things all the time so yeah, that one's yeah one of my favorites for sure and Enclosure that someone else has done. There's been a lot of good enclosures this year. I'm not sure. I, I haven't seen the finished product yet, but I did really like uh, Matt Somerville's Kimberly Rock Monitor enclosure. Like I've seen the rock work for it. I'm not sure if I've seen the finished thing, but I did really enjoy the look of that one. Yeah. Uh, it's unreal as always. He always does his, his best, that's for sure. I think the thing that Matt does a lot of is he takes like six months to build something. Yeah. You know, like he's so patient with it. Um, whereas like, I know myself, I'm not, I'm not at all, you know, like this uh, fringe toad gecko enclosure that I built, like that probably took me about two months, but that's because I was just very all over the shop and, and the amount of work that went into it wasn't two months. Like it was probably only about, I don't know, 20 hours or something in that, but if that but yeah matt's uh matt takes his time with everything yeah that's right that's yeah. what i try and do i try and get to work on the enclosure long before it's needed because yeah. then you've got time to do it properly set it up check the heating dynamics and everything's working well and you're not yeah you're not in a rush to get the animal into it yeah i've, I've actually found since trying to film builds it's totally like filming stuff totally kills the, oh, yeah. the um, yeah. Oh, I bet. I don't know, like yeah. it, it kills the mojo, man. Like, I, like yeah. I, I'm yeah. real boom and bust. Like I'll, I'll, if I'm motivated, I will pump an enclosure out within days from scratch, yeah. you know, from board to finish. A lot of my footage doesn't get filmed because I either forget to turn it on yep. or yeah. mm -hmm. I'm just like, I'm like working like this in front of it and I'm just like, oh, camera's in the way again. Turn it off. Yeah. Like. <laughs> well, like trying to film YouTube videos, I've got, I've got gigabytes of footage that I just, it's just like, oh, I missed a section and it turns me off from, from uh, putting the video out because it's like this one detail that 
it's I think it's important, yeah. but I didn't manage to catch on film or or just like you know by the time I set the camera up and 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 then it's like I I you know you you plug your your your, your light in or something because you know I've got like studio lights and then your lights out of battery and then you gotta go find the lead and then it's like it's like fuck man like I'm twenty minutes in now and it's like you know like yeah. I haven't even started yeah you, you know, and I might have yeah. like an hour yeah. gap to do it you know when I didn't film. I would just do 10 minutes here, 10 minutes there and just be relentless. You know, any, any time I, I would be getting up early in the morning to put a coat or something on so that by the time I got home, it would be, be dry. Like if I'm motivated, that shit's getting built real quick. But, um, the, the filming just, it just, it's hard. It's hard to find the, I don't know. It's, it, honestly, it's kind of stripped the passion of the build out of it a little bit. Yeah. You know, like it's, yeah, um, I get that. I'm, I'm sort of going through it at the moment where it's like, I know what I want to achieve over this next two week break. And I reckon I can do it if I don't film, but if I do film, get, get done. So yeah, it's kind of a way up, like I, what's better, like the, the journey or the finished product. And, and, and at the end of the day, I think when we do all of this and we say like, like, I don't know about you, but when I get new animals, I put them in a really stock standard, basic enclosure. It's not pretty basic things. And I remove things and put things in to see what it does and how it climbs and what it can do, what it can't do, what it falls off, um, how big of a water dish it likes, all these sorts of things I, I test out so that when it comes time to build the enclosure, I know that the animal's going to be able to, to use it or interact with it. But you, you think like, it's like, okay, I get the animal, I put it in a quarantine enclosure, I start building the box that it's going to go in and then long because i'm trying to film it and meanwhile like the quarantine's up like five six weeks or so and then i haven't finished and now we're at three months and the animal's still in this little box because i'm trying to you know be a youtube star or some shit do you know what i mean it's like at the end of the day what's what's more important the animal or or, or views and then i i really starting to think that well not starting but i really think that the animal is more important and if you can't execute your enclosure within a within a short amount of time then your heart's not really in the right spot. Yeah. The dilemma I'm facing at the moment. <laughs> yep. I think the, the oh. biggest thing that, that keeps you going on the YouTube thing is actually putting that video out and getting the response. You know, yeah. showing that what you're doing is actually helping others, even though it's harder on yourself. Yeah. But yeah. in saying that, you don't have to film everything yeah like, for sure i yeah i i film all of mine because i'm only doing once a month now i was i was pumping them out in in a week or two weeks so i could get them out but i've really backed off and just it is what it is now i'm not pressing um yeah the response you get from the people is what definitely drives you to keep filming it yeah, um, for sure. If that's not there, then I wouldn't be doing it. So, yeah, yeah, it must be hard when you're building a, a a detailed enclosure, trying to think about the viewers' perspective who are going to be watching your video and having to think about angles and all that sort of stuff. It's the yeah, lighting, the lighting yeah. is a nightmare. Mm -hmm. <laughs> like mm -hmm. you're you casting lights on, and like this enclosure looks sort of. I don't know, sandiest, but to me, it's got bright oranges and browns, and like you can't yeah. pick that up properly. It's just, it's crazy. 
So what about you, Darren? Have you got a favorite enclosure that you've worked on this year and, and a favorite from someone else that you've seen? Um, oh, mine would probably be the Owen Pelly enclosures, but um, uh, one of my favorites that I've seen would be Cam's Rainforest enclosure that he did, the triangular one. I thought that was really good. Yeah, that's my diamond yeah. one. Yeah, yeah, I really like the way you emulated the, the the moss and all that sort of stuff. And I think that's going to be my next investment now an airbrush. I see Bunnings has got a good little kit there for sale. I'll have to yeah, give that a look, crack. honestly, I've looked at the Bunnings ones, and I'll I'll send you the link of this this one that I bought off eBay. And yeah, right. Me, I reckon it it fits all over the the, the Zito one at, at Bunnings, and it's okay. basically the same price. So. All right, excellent. But yeah, I'll, I'll find the link and I'll send it through to the group chat for you. But definitely yeah, something that you don't um like. I've never used an airbrush in my life, and I just bought this thing and just started mixing paints with water and tried to spray paint with it. So mm. um, it's definitely not an easy thing to get used to, but it it does give you a lot more options when you're trying to blend colours and things like that. I still yeah. go back to all the old ways that people do with the dry brushings or, you know, paint washes and all this sort of stuff. I still do all of that. They've all got their place now. So, yeah, it's good to get those layers of colours. Yeah. Mm. What about you, Jason? Have you got a favourite one that you've put together or not put together yet? <laughs> a few not put together yet, but... um. I like the Boyd's one. I, I don't. I'm not a big fan of my backgrounding skills compared to a lot of the people on this chat. But, but yeah, we'll see how we go in the future with a few other ones that I've got lined up. But um, actually, my chameleon gecko one's coming along pretty well. That you did the background for. Um, got to finish that one off, which hopefully will be the next few days over the Chrissy break. But um, I'd say ones that I think Matt Somerville's outdoor green tree python enclosure and probably zion pelion python enclosure as well they'd probably be my some of my favorites i reckon that'd be up there for inspiration that i try to make mine look like that i'd dismally fail at <laughs> yeah, it'd be great to have goals. access to have access to those natural vines that you guys get from sort of the central coast upwards yeah to be able yeah, to go out and get vines, some yeah. of those would be fantastic yeah but nothing, yeah. nothing like that grows down here yeah, I just don't have the the um, rock working skills that a lot of other people have. So, <laughs> yeah, like what's your just, uh, just mask it with the plant? Yeah, that's right. Like, that's what I'm trying to do. <laughs> it's, just, it's just a background at the end of the day for a boy. Yeah, that's right. Not using it. <laughs> yeah. What's uh, what's your opinion on on going to the bush and 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 taking things? Because I see a lot of these vines, but I kind of think that like going into the bush and chopping vines out is. Like, what's the difference between that and rock flipping? Yeah, well, the pen, to just Hard topic for 11, 10 and 9. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Sorry, guys. <laughs> um, I, I, would, I just like my two cents, I guess. Not necessarily on vines. I haven't really ever got vines or anything like that. But a lot of the woods and rocks I use in my enclosure... I guess for, uh, recycled. So like we had an arborist that lived up the road from where I grew up. So I used to get all the branches and stuff off him. So that's where a lot of my natural wood came from because he just dump it out the front and say free wood do whoever wants it. Um, and same with, we had someone down the road rip up a bush rock garden. So I just got slabs of sandstone from that. 
Um, yeah. So I was, that's, that's kind of how I've done it. Like I've never really gone yeah. out and collected stuff per se, but that's what I do. You know, yeah. 20 days and trees falling down. And then I, I look for, I drive and I look for, for trees that have fallen and I take my, uh, my handsaw and I cut the branches yeah. off and I drag them yeah. home. <laughs> I, look, I look stupid, you should have, but I drag them home. Yeah. You should have been on the Northern Beaches Sunday afternoon, mate. I'll tell you what, there's that many gums <laughs> I down. I saw. I saw. Oh, my mate, if, my if mate they weren't all over the road. Them up. <laughs> if they weren't all over the road, I probably would have driven around and picked a few up. No, like I've bought a lot of bush rock, so a lot of um, kind of like landscape shops and stuff like that. I'm quite happy to buy bush rock from them. Um, I don't don't collect rocks from the wild as such, but timber I do. I'm happy to admit that. Um, but in saying that, I try to I try to go to different areas all over the place, and you know, take little bits from here and there, rather than kind of going to one area where I know this particular wood is, and then just like decimating a bunch of trees or something yeah. like that. And I always take fallen wood so whilst that could still be the home for something down the line or whatever you know i try to just take little bits at a time from different places and i never cut down anything green yeah that's just my two cents yeah i was just gonna say on darren's point about the vines as well luke you're probably the one to know but isn't one of the um big suppliers like pet pack or one of those guys supplying vines now yep pet pack does i think i think it is pet pack yep like they don't live one look as nice as the no, not live ones. No, they're they're, they're kind of like right. curly and wavy, but they're still like as far as a vine goes that you can buy off the shelf. Like they're pretty good. We got I reckon they're, they're not as good as the the true like again, you know, the Central Coast up sort of ones. They don't look as natural as that, but they look a hell of a lot better than anything else. That's so the ones I actually have, I have I have some vines and and tree uh, logs, I guess, um, that are cut from the Central Coast, but I bought I bought them. Um, and they actually came full of some sort of uh, a mite. They, they're dis- literally disintegrating. Mm-hmm. Yeah, right. If you're buying all of that stuff, it, it just—I mean, I wouldn't advise on it. It just disintegrates. Yeah. And the other thing and we're using like green hollow. branches. If you use green branches as well, of course, eventually they dry out and they shrink, so they pull away from where they're fixed, and so yeah. they're, they're no, not really any good to use anyway. Yeah. Yeah. They bloody look good though. When you buy them, (laughs) yeah, yeah. uh, vines. If you're using green vines, you can bend and twist them, and then when they do dry out, they stay in that location, like where you wanted them. Mm. Um, but yeah, it's a a lot of the stuff I get is um, like what like what like what Luke said is just things that have fallen or um things like that or uh currently working on that private property that i'm on and it's in the middle of the rainforest so it's there's vines that hang down over the road and we've got to cut them out of the way to get machinery and things like that through so a lot of that stuff is me gathering stuff that we've had to cut down to get Mm. construction gear through so that's where i'm getting my stuff from currently yeah and that's where i got my stuff from you yeah yeah up up to jace a few weeks ago Yeah. All right. Well, this has been a pretty good little roundtable discussion yeah. here tonight, and it's been a, a longer episode than what we usually would have yeah, run on almost, for, for sure. Almost three hours. 
Yeah. I was only here for about an hour and a half, so you know. <laughs> it, was, it was the best hour and a half, though, mate. Yeah, yeah. Oh, that's good. Yeah. Thanks, thanks, thanks. At least you're doing it in style as well, mate. That's so, right. Uh, you know, you're looking on the Christmas hat. Very Christmassy tonight, that's for sure. Um, guys, do you want to just go around the circle quickly and just throw out like any sort of like Instagram or Facebook handles or YouTube or whatever, just in case people want to get in contact with you about anything you particularly talked about tonight? Yeah, well, Cam's got some backgrounds, Facebook, Insta, and YouTube. So that's where you'll find me. Easy. Uh, I got weirds and beards. Um, I may reply to you. I'm going to be honest. I'm pretty shit at replying to people. So, apologies <laughs> for that joke. I actually even seeing Tyson. Honest. Yeah, I was to say, seeing Tyson <laughs> pop up in this message, uh, this chat, I was like, you messaged me like two months ago and I totally fucking ignored you. I'm like, so sorry for that. <laughs> he does that to everyone, Tyson. So, don't feel bad. Yeah. <laughs> Still a bit of an awesome move, but I'm sorry to all those I ignore. <laughs> it's, it's my fault for not going to the last uh, AHS meeting and not seeing you there. Oh, it's okay. I wasn't there either. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I, I, I scratched that. I don't feel bad. <laughs> uh, all right. So I am uh, Doc.Murden on Instagram and Habitats at Home on YouTube. Awesome. Coop. Uh, yeah, it's just Coops Reptiles on Facebook and YouTube. Uh, yeah, pretty simple. Uh, I don't tend, yeah, I don't really have a Facebook page. I tend to post mainly into Facebook groups that I'm a part of as opposed to on my own page. But I've, I've got an Instagram, Python underscore Boz on Instagram. That's B-O-Z, isn't it? B-O-Z, yeah. Yeah, awesome. And, uh, well... Everyone pretty much knows where to find me and Jason. I'm going to say it anyway. So, guys, thank you so much for joining us tonight. It's been an absolute blast. It's kind of been a bit of a, a learning experience having so many guests on at once. Um, I have to say it's a little bit out of our wheelhouse as usual because usually there's only three of us pretty much maximum on. So, anyway, thank you for joining into tonight's uh, conversation. And uh, without any further ado, we'd like to say a massive thank you to Eric and Owen and the rest of the NPR crew for having us. If you'd like to contact them, it's best to find them at moreliapythonradio.net and email them at info moreliapythonradio.net. Make sure to follow them on NPR Network on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube, all at NPR Network. As far as contacting us and our social media platforms, you can email us at australianherpticulture at gmail.com. You can also find us on Facebook and Instagram as well. Make sure to check out our Teespring store for some podcast merch. The link is on the Facebook page. And to see more of what Jason is up to, make sure to follow him on Facebook and Instagram at The Gecko Effect. And for myself, you can find me on YouTube, Facebook, Instagram, Patreon, and Teespring under Beaches Scaly Beasts. We hope to have you back here next week for another episode of the Australian Heptoculture Podcast. Good night, guys. Merry Christmas, night, guys. guys. Merry Bye, Christmas. Everyone.